Hey everybody, this is Cole here with two quick things. First off, recently we did a live streaming event for 48 hours uh, to benefit the Trans Active Gender Center. Uh, this is the second year in a row that we've done it, uh, and we completely blew past our expectations. Our community contributed over $4,000, all said and done, towards this awesome cause. And uh, we're going to talk about it at the end of this at the end of this episode. But uh, I want to put it up at the front that wow, that's great. Thank you, everybody. Second off, as you are uh, going into this season of winter holidays where people are usually buying stuff, I want to uh, urge you to go to duckfeed.tv slash tip jar if you're going to be using uh, the popular Amazon online retailer. Uh, you can use our links there and uh, we get a small cut of whatever you buy. Um, not the actual thing, but the dollar amount. You understand what I mean. It's a kickback kind of thing. Uh, but uh, that goes a long way towards helping us uh, support the network, and we really appreciate everybody who takes the extra step. So that is duckfeed.tv slash tipjar with uh, the Amazon links or the other ways to support us. That's kind of the general catch-all place. Now, let's go talk about the Shellbridge Cradle, but also, I guess, Thief? I don't know. Ah, the old Bathory estate. Rumor is she's bloody rich and ripe for the fleecing. As a master thief, half my job is waiting, watching, memorizing the guard's path. Good thing I have a pocket full of laugher taffers. Let's see here, unwrapping. Uh, what's the thief's favorite superhero? The Man of Steel. Steel? Oh, Steel. <laughs> what is that sound? Something over there? Must be nothing. Back to work. Whew. Okay, let's see here the next one. What's a thief's favorite instrument? A lute. And, 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 then, it, and then it has lute spelled L-U-T-E in parentheses. Oh, I get it. <laughs> I'm not sure oh, I man. heard nothing over there. Am I written to be drunk? Or just stupid? A little too close. <laughs> ah, lousy taffer. Now, no finish dissertation. Okay, now there's now there's just an archer. I don't even like this candy. I just read it for the jokes. I'd, I'd rather eat some nabbit laters. But anyway, all right, this next one. What did Matchbox 20 do to their friend Tom? Rob Thomas. This isn't even a joke. I, uh, What's that? A corpse? Uh, must be nothing. That murderer must be far away by now. I'll just leave Carl here in the bushes, in the corner. It's what Joan would have wanted. All right, that's boring. Uh, one fire arrow and... Uh, I am immolated.
My name is Gary Butterfield. My name is Cole Ross. And you're listening to Watch Out for Fireballs. It is a retro games podcast. Yes, and this week we are talking about Thief Deadly Shadows, which is a first-person stealth game developed by Ion Storm and published by Eidos Interactive for the PC and the Xbox in 2004. Yeah, and this is the uh, the winner of our, our autumn stealth game poll. Yeah. So uh, this is the game that you chose went up against, um, boy, what was it? Splinter Cell? Siren, uh, Blood Ten- Curse. Tenchu, Siren, and uh, Hitman. Hitman, yeah. And uh, yeah, it doesn't mean we'll never do those games. Nope. But, but this was the winner. And uh, and and I, for one, like without spoiling too much, like there have a couple uh, problems with this game, but I'm glad it won. I'm Me glad too. I played through it. Yeah. Um, yeah. In this game, you play as Garrett. The uh, it's, he's not just the guy in your class <laughs> who's in you know shop anymore. Yeah. It's it's uh, you play as Garrett, the master thief. Um, you're exploring the steampunk city and completing missions uh, primarily by sneaking. Yep. Yes. This is <laughs> yes. This is a first-person stealth game, uh, and the stealth is kind of based on line of sight, light, and sound. Yeah. Very uh, importantly, it is a low-tech stealth game. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know, the, playing through this game made me think a lot about how different games handle stealth, and like this one handles it in kind of an interesting way, where you don't have any of the toys. Like, you actually do get some kind of things that, and for all intents and purposes, are kind of magical powers. Yeah. Later, you know, in the form of these magic arrows that help you manipulate your environment but you have nothing no extra sensory awareness you know you can never see through walls you never have radar you never have any of that you don't have any Uh, awareness of the enemies all that you have really is this light gem that tells you like how visible you are at a given moment so it's awareness of yourself more than anybody else it's very inward focused and it very the game is about making you feel yourself Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, in in multiple ways. So, like one thing that's oh, really cool about that light yeah. jump, yeah. And oh, geez, it is <laughs> it is it is a game. Uh, it is it is Onin's delight. <laughs> the um, so the the one of the things about the light gem that I really love though is that the the states for the light gem are are so uh, uh, not quantized. <laughs> you know, so it's, it's so variable. Like you have this like, oh, this is pretty dim, but is it dim enough? <laughs> right. You know, like that, and that comes up all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, you make so much noise. Um, just moving, like, makes noise. Like, um, just different surfaces, but running at all makes noise. Landing makes noise. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, everything makes kind of different amounts of noise, and all noise is significant. Yeah. Um, in the game. So it's funny. This is something that, that, that the series has done, uh, you know, since forever. Like, Thief 1 opens with a tutorial that tells you, like, running over a grating makes more noise than running over uh, um, grass or carpet or mm-hmm. something like that. So you're always kind of aware of these things and, you know, looking at the environment through different eyes, but like, this is pretty granular. Just, I don't know if it's because yeah. of the engine, but like the amount of the amount of like materials modeling that needs to be done in order to accomplish that is pretty impressive actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's very like, we were talking about, you know, you feeling in touch with your body. Part of it is this noise thing. And part of it is just this heft. Mm-hmm. that you have um which i have never experienced like th- this in a game the closest i felt it is um playing uh dark messiah of might and magic because it's there's a lot <laughs> the of same melee team pers- <laughs> well, well that's exactly that's part of it is no, they, it's not it, the same team but be, a, lot, a lot of the same people. Lot, same same dna and yeah. uh and part of that is just um because it's first person combat you know mm-hmm. melee combat which doesn't happen all that often yeah but um you feel heavy and big mm-hmm. in this game like you're controlling you know 140 pound little thief guy wearing rags and you feel like you're controlling like a 250 pound 
like you're fast and everything, but you mm-hmm. feel like you have weight. Everything has weight. Like yeah. at no point do you feel like a floating camera, <laughs> which is how you know FPS games work. Like you are a floating camera, and there are mm-hmm. all those pictures online that show like how ridiculous it is when you crouch and, and stuff like that. Like what you'd oh, actually yeah. look like. Yeah. Um, at no point do you feel like that in this game. And it's pretty funny because you know going back and playing the original Thief, they have more. Like so, it's it's less of a floating camera in Dark Project and in uh, uh, Metal Age. But like this is, I think by virtue of the fact that they had to put in a, a third person camera mm-hmm. like if i think that that probably adds a little bit to that physicality but this is part of a wave of games that kind of did that like like that was a little bit of their a little bit of their thing so this came out right around the same time as the chronicles of riddick game um for the oh, xbox sure. the butcher bay which had the similar thing but of course you're playing vin diesel he's, he's supposed to be a fucking tank um yeah. and then there was also breakdown which was another xbox um kind of first person combat game less emphasis on the stealth and i think that all of this kind of culminated a little bit in mirror's edge like this notion of you yeah. know you're, you're, you know your first person character being a physical entity in space yeah yeah and and it, it works really well here it doesn't mm-hmm. always work i think like there's a reason why the the those games have the cliches they do mm-hmm. you know um but it works really well here i think yeah um you know you you're, you're not entirely helpless like you have elements of combat uh yeah. that you can do like but there you shouldn't <laughs> right. um, and that's another thing that they they do in this game that's really interesting is the way that they handle combat and kind of fail conditions mm-hmm. where there's nothing um discouraging you from getting into fights other than that it's hard right you know, and there's nothing discouraging you from killing people other than that it's like it's messy and requires more resources. Right. There's no there's no morality set up in the game. Mm-hmm. You know, so like uh, if you decide just to play it and fight people and especially near the end of the game, like I killed a lot of people with arrows. Like, <laughs> Me too. This is a secret, secret great archery game, actually. Oh, yeah. Um, the uh, if you just kill a lot of people, there's nothing other than the fact that you're using up arrows and you leave bloodstains. Right. Like you're, you're discouraged because it's not very professional, mm-hmm. not because of some kind of moral meter or a chaos meter or your brother wagging his finger at you at the end of the mission <laughs> or anything like that. Like, right. It just uses more resources to do things in a worse way. Mm-hmm. Which is really cool. Yeah. Like that that's that's really interesting and you don't see that very often. Mm-hmm. Definitely. You know, it, it, and you yeah. can you can see a little bit of like what would come later in something like a like a dishonored, um, insofar as th- if you use these consumable items right, not just your healing potion or your flashbang, which God, just always have all the flashbangs yeah. you need. Um more than more than you think you need. You don't have enough. Mm-hmm. Never enough. But um, you know, with mines and with these gas grenades and things like that, you can actually set up traps and like corral enemies, you know, in mm-hmm. order to deal with them, like especially Especially if the the you know the the jig is up, yeah, yeah. So the, the, that's how they kind of get it. Like it doesn't pass the the Gary stealth model of like it being fun to be caught, <laughs> right. but they do make it pretty painless. Like they give you lots of things to get out of it, mm-hmm. you know. And if if you can use flashbangs, and if you just keep banging your head up against an encounter, you can use a gas grenade, yeah, you know. And then that encounter is gone, mm-hmm. you know. So and they limit those. They balance it out actually. I think really well. Like your inventory limits actually are. are make a lot of sense yeah like um, the, the inventory yeah. limits um with the economy of the game like you're you're gonna have about as many things as you need um in order to complete a mission but uh not yep. so much that you feel uh completely invulnerable right and and you and you have to you can't you know you have limits so you can't hoard them you also don't want to hoard them like the game is balanced for you to 
to buy stuff and use it. Yeah. You know, so in the previous games, the way they did this was if you didn't use it, you lost it. Mm-hmm. Um, now you can carry over items, but you really just need to be spending and using. Yeah. And the game is balanced for such. Mm-hmm. Um, um, when we're thinking about like, oh, you feel like you're a physical thing in space, uh, you know, something that, that, that this series does that I appreciate, um, despite my my limitations, is the fact that all of your maps are hand-drawn and there's no mini-map, there's no indication of where you're at when you're looking at them. And so mm-hmm. the maps are just a reference point for kind of direction and orientation and normally i have a lot of trouble navigating these kind of first person um uh, 3d spaces but somehow that combined with what has to be one of the best compasses in a game i think the fact that it's that it is a 3d um item that is spinning and has a little bit of tilt to it like i I felt more empowered and like more aware of, you know, where I was going than I would in a game that had like waypoints, I think. Yeah. It was really cool. Like there are a couple of parts, there are a couple of levels where like it becomes kind of hunt the objecty mm-hmm. and it can kind of be a pain in the dick to know where you're supposed to go. Um, but for the, the kind of golden part of this game, like the mm-hmm. first, you know, two thirds or whatever, the maps are great and it just feels, it doesn't break that immersion of like, my guy doesn't have any superpowers that somebody else wouldn't have. <laughs> like, like a mini map is a superpower that a lot of characters have for no goddamn reason, you know, or <laughs> checkpoint markers. Like that is a weird player empowerment that is never really explained, Yeah, you know, or often not explained. And here you don't have it, you know, and it, it, it really, it plays with the setting or it fits some of the setting really well. Yeah. Um, in a way that I really like, mm-hmm. um, one of the things that is unique to this entry in the series are these two different modes of play, um, which are mission and city modes. Um, so the missions, which were all the previous games, were just missions. Um, you have these objectives to accomplish and certain goals for loot acquisition. So you have to do the main thing you're there for, but you also have to make a living, um, which means getting a certain percentage of the loot um, in the level. And uh, usually you have to get one piece of special loot, and there's kind of these little stories about them. And that's kind of where the exploration rewards come from is uh, getting these audio you know these uh, letters and 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 overhearing conversations that lead you to the special loot Mm -hmm. yeah so you always have to get at least one of them and they're you know you can get all of them if you want to get a lot of money it's always very valuable Mm -hmm. but uh but yeah it's definitely built into that and you never forget that you're a thief because of this you're always looking for that telltale glimmer of something you can pick up even if even if it is a uh, a candlestick on on a this candlestick is good this (laughs) candlestick is bad (laughs) (laughs) garrett expert candlestick appraiser some candlesticks are valuable but this candlestick is not valuable some are garbage that'll make noise when you drop them exactly Um, (laughs) there's no way to silently drop anything it took me a very long time to learn how to uh, unknock my bow too that was that was tricky i never figure that out oh you, uh, you jump oh wow okay so you, you hit you hit jump and you'll just put away your bow you don't even have to jump but if you just tap jump while you have your bow drawn oh, i wasted a lot of arrows <laughs> yep <laughs> yep uh but the city mode happens kind of it's the connective t- uh, tissue between these missions uh that you're going on and so uh you have these different quarters of the city and you uh you know are, are moving between them you have guards who are kind of coming after you um, in different factions and such, but uh, the, the meat of what you're doing here is selling off things that you got from the previous missions in order to buy more supplies and you know just restock and kind of uh, outfit your build, right? Making those kinds of choices, but also you have just houses and you know mm-hmm. places of business. It's always it's always night, and you know you can hear the, the 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 townspeople chatter not just about world building kind of stuff, but like talking about you know treasures and things that you can go side quests. Yes, side quests, right? Um, yeah, and it, it's the, the the city. It's just called the city yeah. in the series. Is such a is such an important kind of neat place mm-hmm. that I'm I'm glad that you finally get to explain it. Like I feel like if you if you were given to 
one could even say that the city itself is a character. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> All right, um, excuse me. I need to go heat up a wire uh, coat hanger over the stove and then just press it against my thigh. <laughs> Because something needs to make me feel the pain of what you just said. <laughs> um, it, it is uh, the, the city itself is, is kind of a cool place. Like the actual yeah. the setting of uh, of the, these games is really rad. Um, you know, it has this kind of generic uh, just you know balance, um, <laughs> which which is you know tend, tends to be kind of a, a you know thinking man's first pre- first person shooter thing. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you get the shock games and and you get this and stuff. But this this this. Uh, struggle between technology and, and nature mm-hmm. um but the, the, it actually does it in kind of an interesting way and I, I was doing research for the show i was really surprised that there weren't uh more you know uh like books or anything set in the thief world mm-hmm. like there's not it doesn't seem like there's like you know thief gaiden or thief chronicles or anything like that yeah. like it's just thief one two and three and then the remake and that's it yeah um uh, yeah when you, so these in-between sections when you're going through the city, um, it's mostly pretty easy. Um, so the guards are always after you. And then as the <laughs> game goes on, they kind of show you the the, the state of the world. Yeah. So as your actions impact the story, the, the actual city missions change and become more dangerous mm-hmm. as things go on. Yeah. Um, and, and and that's something that, that that makes this entry really special. I know you know there there was a little bit of uh, pushback when we decided to do, to do three instead of one or two, but I think that I think that that really does kind of help the pacing in this in this strange way and make the you know like, give you a little bit more room to breathe. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm I'm glad that I'm not, you don't just go from city to city or mission to mission. Like, mm-hmm. and it's strongest in the beginning. Um, near the end, when the plot is uh, inferring a sense of an urgency, yeah, some of the the middle ground things, specifically making your way to your fence, oh yeah, um, starts feeling like a chore, mm-hmm. um, you know, and you end up becoming a sloppier thief because you're you're harried, um, <laughs> you know, and, and bored, and that that definitely happened to me. But the first like again, the first two thirds of the game, it's aces. Like it is yeah. it is so fun to like take some time between these missions, which are kind of mm-hmm. tense to you know just to, to be a thief in the city for a little bit and they, yeah. they do a really good job making the world the actual city really dynamic like things change different side quests bubble up and and kind of you know recede mm-hmm. um, as the game moves on yeah and you can make the place you can make the city a little bit more um hospitable toward you um by uh kind of trying to curry favor with these two factions these uh these hammerites and the pagans um, yes. Early on in the game, you perform missions that piss these people off, and they are added into the uh, the group of people who are going to chase after you like it's the intro to Austin Powers. Um, and um, you go and do these chores, and you kind of raise... You mean the intro to Austin Powers that is a pastiche of the Beatles? Yes. But you went to Austin Powers instead of, like, the yeah, Hardy's Night I, or whatever? I, I, I snapped to grid, Gary. I snapped yeah. to grid. <laughs> yep. I snapped to grid, baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I snap into grids my bag uh, <laughs> you ever tried to watch hard days night it's pretty hard uh, to watch yeah, uh, uh, like any, any movie with the beatles in it are hard to watch <laughs> yep. like none of them are good yeah they're terrible movies <laughs> terrible yeah but i i will i i will um give it and say that yes hard days night probably more culturally significant than austin bowers yeah. So I'm a little Maybe. bit embarrassed. <laughs> a little bit embarrassed, but oh well. Uh, but, but no, uh, by killing these bugs or by um, kind of uh, firing moss you arrows. You the bugs. What's that? Um, so that you didn't see what the bugs were. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, these, these are scarab beetles that, uh, that, that corrode iron um, yeah, for the hemorrhoids. Yes. And then uh, you have these uh, insignias that you can shoot your moss arrows at for the pagans. Uh, you can slowly raise this faction until they're friendly with you. And then you can kind of, th- that, that opens up certain tracks of the, uh, of the map that you can then pass through without, without getting yeah. shut. 
it's kind of an under underdeveloped system. A little bit. Like yeah. it, it's like they're they're always mad at you inside missions. Mm-hmm. So like in missions, everyone wants to kill you. And then uh, there just isn't that much benefit other than freeing up some of the map. And it's real pain in the dick to do. Like killing the the bugs makes tons of noise, and mm-hmm. using your moss arrows like that's a that's a valuable resource. Yeah. Uh, and then the hammerites. So so to give them some context, are uh, the builders who talk like Shakespeare. And the pagans are the nature people who talk like Jar Jar Binks. And <laughs> I read them as more of like a cross between minions and uh, and Gollum. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess Gollum is probably pretty accurate. Um, but yeah, they, they both have annoying anachronistic ways of speaking. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's anachronistic. I don't know if any anachronistic. I don't even know if anyone ever talked like the pagans at any point in life. <laughs> Guys, bees, see and news. Kill as I do. It's a pretty cool patois. Like it's yeah. it, it's it's evocative for as annoying as it is. It is, and it's important to be able to tell them audio, like through mm-hmm. audio, right? Oh, yeah. So, like, like for a little while, I banged my head against like, why did they give these people these stupid accents? And I was like, oh, if you have a certain faction reputation, and you can only hear one of these guys. You need to know if it's safe to go down. Mm-hmm. So, it actually is really cool that they made them. You can instantly pick them out by how they talk. So much like, of what this game smart. does with audio is amazing. Yeah, Here, I'm really, going really, really to crave your line, but so good. Yeah, it's, it's so good. Like the audio design is real, real good. Yeah. Specifically during a certain, during a certain level that mm. won't be mentioned until uh, later <laughs> yep. for about another hour and a half or so. Yep, that will account um, for that, that'll account for one third of this episode. I guarantee yes. you. <laughs> I guarantee goddamn to you. <laughs> um, this game, for for as, as cool as it is, had kind of a troubled uh, genesis. Mm-hmm. Um, so this was in uh, pre-production at Looking Glass Studios, who made the first two, and uh, that studio closed for financial reasons, and uh, and that's when Ion Storm took it over. Yeah. However, yeah. you know the the people who were working on it, the key kind of thief people from Looking Glass, were kept on. Yeah. And a lot of the same when I was looking at the credits, a lot of the same number uh, names from uh, Deus Ex. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, Harvey Smith um, is is one of the main guys on here, and he's a big Deus Ex guy. I want to mm-hmm. say, um, yeah. So. Yeah. So it was it, it is good poaching that they're like, hey, we love this property. Let's uh, let's get you over here so we can do it right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so they switched from the dark engine, which the first two games were on to Unreal 2 uh, because they couldn't get the original programming team back together. Uh, this is controversial. Like a lot of people um, associate this game and um, oh, gosh, Deus Ex 2 as being OK. Both of these were big, big you know pc game franchises that uh a made the move to console and b made the move to these kind of universal engines and Mm -hmm. purists kind of feel like the game suffered for them i don't know that it does like it's a little bit it was a little bit buggy for me this time around but i don't know if that's because of my system or not there there are a couple of bugs i i ran into um the the thing with me with this is like as much as I'm a, a Deus Ex Two apologist, like mm-hmm. I think you know Deus Ex Two is a much worse game than, than Deus Ex One. Mm-hmm. Um, I've gone back and played the original Thief games and or played the first one. Um, I never beat it, and part of that is because later on the levels get really maze like. It feels like mm-hmm. early FPS levels. Yeah. Um, where people were criticizing this, and they were like, "Oh man, get used to your your hiding places, your obvious hiding places, and and dead end." alleys and stuff and like i like that more mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I like the way these levels feel more than i like the way that the levels feel in thief one at least i haven't mm-hmm. played thief two which people say is, is kind of the, the best one in the series thief two is really good yeah i would i would like i should put some some time into it i think i just started up and played the intro and then mm-hmm. stopped for reasons but the um the first one i remember just having a lot of mazes mm-hmm. and that being a real bummer yeah. so this is one of those times where and it's not like there are like you know loading screens and stuff but it's not like deus ex 2 where like you know, the the loading screens are every other room, you know, like this is, you know, there are the, portions that are fairly generous, like yeah. large portions of the city, large portions of the level, you know, mm-hmm. without having to run a loading screen. Yeah. So, 
Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't bother me that much. I I still really like this entry in the series. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, so there was a reboot of the series in 2014 uh, for mm-hmm. kind of that generation of consoles, like going into uh, the PS4. It's not very well regarded. I I think I picked it up on like PSN or something like that, or it was like on sale for seven bucks because it performed so poorly. Um, I I wish that I would have been able to play it so I could understand why people don't like it. Hmm. Um, I, I have it too. I haven't played it. I've read a bunch of reviews mm-hmm. um, and it just, it seems like the kind of thing that I might end up actually liking because a lot of the people who are complaining about it were complaining about glitches mm-hmm. and stuff, which never seemed to bother me as much as they bother the rest of the internet. Oh yeah. Like they're not unplayable thing. They're just lacks, you know, things that indicate a lack of polish that like I'm very fine looking past. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if I'd end up liking it. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and it's like I like I like this kind of stealth game. Um, there's another uh, game that came out that's a spiritual successor to this. Um, we're going to talk about the big one here in just a second. But <laughs> did you ever play um, Sticks Master of Shadows? <laughs> no, that sounds amazing though. Um, it's it's a game where you're you're a little stealth goblin, um, and that game is really good. I've only huh. put a couple hours into it, and I, I walked away because my life fell apart. But the uh, <laughs> it is uh, it's a really really good successor to this. When did that come um, out? I uh, mean, twenty thirteen. Like 2013 hmm. or 2014, um, I think. Okay. So not too long ago. And that's, that was free on PSN for a little bit, like uh, or PS Plus, rather. Mm-hmm. Um, that game is easy to get a hold of, and I recommend it. Um, the, the, big, the biggest uh, spiritual successor to this is something we've covered for the show as well, which is Dishonored, um, which time is proving, like, a, I love Dishonored. Like, you know, it's really <laughs> hard for me to think of problems with that game. Like, I really, really love it. Um, and that is, it feels pretty different going back and playing this. Um, like this, that that is like an update to this, but that is much freer and and goofier and such. Yeah, than this is like this is much more of a, a harsher senpai, <laughs> so to speak. Uh, you can never pee. Yeah, you never get to pee. There's no time. <laughs> yeah, no, I love Dishonored. I'm super excited for Dishonored too, but that is neither oh, here nor boy, there. Oh, oh boy, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so let's uh, let's get into the uh, the kind of setup. Um, we're not going to go too much of an overview of the plot because the plot has lots of twists and turns. Mm-hmm. We'll be talking about, and then also our standard. Uh, we're not going to be like, and then you get to this hallway and you can take a right or a left. Like we're going to talk about the general kind of theming of the levels mm-hmm. without actually going to the specific yeah. articulation points, unless they're really noteworthy. Just because they're this is a long game, it, it very uh, much is, and it's very you know it, it is like Deus Ex in that it is nonlinear um, within yes. the missions themselves, um, and there are a lot of different. So it makes more sense to hit set pieces, cool themes, and just kind of awesome things we noticed. Mm-hmm. Or yeah. things that don't work. So, yeah, I, totally. Because there are things that don't work. As much as I really like this game, like mm-hmm. it is it is too long and there are things that I have problems with it about. But um, cool. Uh, give us a little bit of the uh, the setup. Well, as we mentioned a little bit before, Garrett is this master thief who is notorious in the city, capital C. Uh, he got so good by training with the Keepers, this set of scholarly mystics, but he abandoned them uh, to follow his own path. And all of that is stuff that happened uh, prior to and during the first game. Mm-hmm. And uh, as the game begins, the Keepers are freaking out about this coming of a new dark age. And uh, they're trying to read the science to predict how and when it will happen. Um, you are on a routine thieving mission and uh, you catch the eye of the Keepers. And you're conscripted to actually help them avert the end of the world. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, the, the previous two games, you know, it dealt with those two factions we mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one is about this Lord of Nature, uh, you know, and then the second one is about the Hammerites getting too much control. 
And this is kind of the third one, which is talking about the keepers and kind of a general threat. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, that's, that's kind of, it's, it's kind of par for the course for the series. Yeah. That's a great way to design a trilogy. I think (laughs) the fact that that you have these, like these three major things, like basically what I just did was praise Starcraft (laughs) two, which I liked the first one. I've like, I don't even know why I'm laughing about it. It's a good game, but like, but yeah, no, just uh, thinking about how pat and cool that is makes it feel, makes it feel nice and complete. It's weird. It's weird the way it works on me because it, it is dangerously close to the truth being somewhere in the middle of games, you know, because it's like the first one is like, what if nature gets too much control? Well, that's bad. Mm-hmm. What if, you know, what if the hammerites get too much control? That's bad. And the third one's like, what about the people who try to keep things neutral? And it's not about <laughs> them getting too much control. It's about, bam, weird third thing. Uh, or, you know, weird, the weird monster from nowhere uh, ends up being the threat, yeah. um, which is maybe why I like it, because it's not really aggrandizing uh, the, the group that maintains balance. Oh, no. It, I think like the kind of the idea is that the people who think that they're like the, the keepers are not portrayed very well. No, in this game. no. And like, like, like they're kind of clueless idiots yeah. and make a real mess of things. <laughs> so it's not the truth is somewhere in the middle. It's that they're, you know, there is no truth other than Garrett's personal truth, you know, like staying <laughs> true to himself. Yes, because he is the prophesied one. But that's, he, that's mean, one of my annoyances. Of, <laughs> but, yeah, I wish that prophecies weren't a thing in, uh, oh, in God. books and games. Your mouth to God's ears. Yeah, like, is that, is that ever really great? Like, you're ever just uh, like, th- thank God for this prophecy plot. That's a that, that, like, that's it just a, feels it feels lazy. That's a bugbear that's brought up on the Flophouse a lot. Like, you can always tell a movie is going to mm-hmm. be bad when it opens up with a prophecy or somebody like a voiceover saying, my mama always told me that and you know a prophecy takes a story about unremarkable people doing remarkable things and infuses it with this crazy poisonous Bradbird message of you were special all along yeah it becomes a story (laughs) about remarkable people doing remarkable things yeah like it it just it's just like oh they were they were faded to like it just robs so much of the the gravitas and, and stuff from, <laughs> yeah. from anything that happens afterwards. Yeah. I'd so much rather you know? Gary just be like a preternaturally skilled and lucky person. <laughs> oh, totally. Like, and what, what if the message was literally just like, instead of that being like, he's the, cause the, this ends with this kind of like, it's really kind of hard to tell exactly what the future <laughs> would hold for the series mm-hmm. based on the ending. But instead of it ending with him being a chosen one who is, you know, fated to save these things, he just did it because he, Hey, he likes the city. That's where he keeps all his stuff, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> If, if he's more true to that aspect of his character, you know, as opposed to it being this kind of burden of prophecy mm-hmm. on him. Yeah, I, I would never like it's it's I never welcome. It's never welcome. Like there are games in which it's better than others, but like mm-hmm. it's never something I want to see in a game. There's almost always a more satisfying way to structure that and almost always a more satisfying way to convey the information of the prophecy. And what a, what a weird outmoded thing too. Like it, it belongs entirely within the realm of fiction, yep. like fiction and crazy conspiracy theories. Like it is so like out of touch with how anyone actually lives, you know? So it just like throws anything out the window. Like I can't remember the last time I heard a prophecy. Like when, when was the last time you were the subject of a prophecy? Cool. Well, I remember like, when I watched the prophecy with, with Christopher, yeah, Christopher Walken. Walken. Yeah. It's a good movie. Gabriel. Yeah. yeah. It's actually pretty good. Yeah. That weird guy. He won't let die. Uh-huh. Like his, his, his servant. Uh-huh. Yeah. Pretty um, good. Yeah, so that's Thief. What are we doing next time, Gary? <laughs> um, yeah, prophecies are bullshit. Um, <laughs> let's, let's do uh, the, the, some of the names for these are, are pretty good. Yep. Uh, mission one, checking in in INN, <laughs> cashing out. It's a real laugh or taffer. 
Yeah, somebody opened up a whole pack of Laffer Taffers on this. Uh, <laughs> just spilled it all over the fact. This mission, yeah. which name's, just call me Mr. Butterfingers. Bam. Bag opens to spill a bunch of Butterfingers for me and my friends. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, this is kind of a routine thieving job, as we said in that plot summary, uh, which mm-hmm. is Garrett got a hot tip about this opal, right? He, he, he wants to get him a piece of that. And mm-hmm. uh, in order to get to uh, further his lead, he has to go through this tutorial. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this is uh, this is you actually get little tool tips that pop up and tell you things mm-hmm. in this. Um, previously, this was done more diegetically, um, yeah. but it wouldn't make sense for anyone to be teaching Master, you know, Thief Garrett <laughs> how to do these things. Yeah, um, but the, the one for the first thief is kind of famous for like going through the keeper's trials and mm-hmm. and kind of teaching you as a, as an orphan boy. But here, it's just the game's ambiently telling you mm-hmm. how to do these different things. Yeah. And get used to looking at these levels with an eye towards what you'll be doing. Yeah. So they're literally putting down, like, McDonald's Play Place uh, foot decals for uh, for, for your yeah. path um, yep. so that you uh, kind of know where to go. But it's teaching you about, like, guard routines and picking locks and lights and uh, noise and things like that. It's a, it's a pretty good tutorial. Mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah. Um, yeah. So one of the first things you're, you're going to do, you know, you're sneaking. Um, the game is, because it is so low tech and you have so few things on your side, um, one of the things is that the AI is very... Um, so at first I was like, oh, why can't they see me? I'm right there. Mm-hmm. But then I was thinking, so like Garrett's got this magical eye mm-hmm. that he has. And also, um, you know, he's used to being around the dark. I imagine it's actually darker than it looks to the player. Yeah. So, like, if they walk right in front of you and they don't see you and you're like, God, I can see me. Why can't they see me? <laughs> or, like, why can't they see him? Um, it's probably because it's actually, you know, if you if you suspend your imagination just a little bit in that direction, it stops being like the AI is absolutely the dumbest thing in the world and instead mm-hmm. are just, like, pretty dumb. Yeah. You know, as opposed to being, like, egregiously terribly dumb. And it's funny because, like, for line of sight, yes, they feel dumb because of that presentational thing. But they lock in on sound like that. Yeah. Yeah, which is, that's why I think it's actually like way darker, yeah. and it's it's a world with like very little electric light. <laughs> um, so uh, we're introduced to that, that sneaking thing. Um, you know, just sneak. You move pretty slowly, even if you're not sneaking. Yeah, um, you're not the quickest character. Um, and then kind of uh, sources of light, mm-hmm. which end up being really important. Oh, yeah. um, there are uh, there are some electric lights you can't tamper with. There are candles that, for the most part, you can just snuff out. Um, which you should always be doing. Mm-hmm. And then uh, it makes a really satisfying sound. And then uh, there are torches, like torch sconces that you can hit with these water arrows yeah. to uh, to turn out the lights for a larger swath of the level. Mm-hmm. And uh, that ends up being very, very useful. Like light yeah. is obviously hugely important. Mm-hmm. No, like you're converting areas of the level into safe space by turning on the dark. Yes, yes. Like I've heard of turning off the dark <laughs> and I'm generally in favor of it. But this is... This is Garrett the thief. Turn on the dark. Yeah. Well, you know, it's all uh, about it's all about all archetypes. The thieves in the city here right now. In even... city. I, I was I was gonna see okay. how you were going to reconcile the city city. I was gonna say, and I feel real pretty. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that would have been that would have been delightful. Do you want to do a second take of that? Can I tell you something real quick? A real quick digression. <laughs> yes, you can. I, uh, I was working uh, at the escape room where I work, and there's a part where there were sunglasses. And it was I was doing it was a birthday party for a bunch of little kids, mm-hmm. and I was showing them the sunglasses because they didn't get that far into the game, and they all freaked out, pulled the sunglasses on, and all started yelling swag, 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 and running around with these sunglasses on, yelling swag, oh. and the <sighs> the the fattest of the little kids uh-huh. uh, put on the sunglasses, turned towards me, and went, "I'm beautiful," <laughs> and it was awesome. <laughs> That's <laughs> it was great. I, like I was just like, this is. 
that part was great. The little little swag screaming kids was not as great, but the little kid putting on sunglasses and being like, "I'm beautiful." Like, you know what, dude? Like I'm a, not going to disagree. That rules. Like, like, like an aging actress. Uh-huh. Like, she's getting told that she can't play in like a certain venue anymore or something like that. Like, just I'm beautiful. Like, it was just very like. <laughs> yeah, he he was whatever yeah. happened to baby Janeing you. I loved it. Like, it was super good. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, an escape room just opened up up the street for me, actually. Oh, really? I need to go see that's it. Awesome. I need to go see yeah, if it's any good. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, definitely check it out. Yeah. Um, but anywho, um, you, you turn on the dark uh, <laughs> yep. consistently. Yeah. And then uh, you're also introduced to uh, to lockpicking. What, what was your take on the, the lockpicking system in this this game? Um, It's it's okay. Like, it just exists to take up time, right? Like, to, 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 to make sure that you are aware of what's around you. And like the lock difficulty, like it never gets any harder to find the sweet spot um, as you are rotating the analog stick or pro tip. If you're playing this on the PC, it's always on either north or northwest, you know, like it's just on the eight directions. So you just do a couple of sweeps um, Mm -hmm. and and see when it starts to rattle. Um, And and the only way that locks get harder is you just have more tumblers, more rings to kind of go after. Um, It's okay. I think it serves its purpose it's not as engaging as like the lock picking in like fallout or I guess fallout three. Um, but, um, also time doesn't freeze. So I guess that's on your side as well. The, uh, the time, the time part's important, but the, there's actually like slightly more to the lock picking than I thought there was initially. Oh, wow. did you realize that there's, so in your base, you can buy practice locks because based on the shape of the keyhole, there's a prescribed set of directions. Oh, wow. So you can actually look at, like, how cool is that? Like, I didn't realize that until this time playing the game. Like, you can memorize, okay, this is a lock that has this pattern. I know which eight directions to go into and pick it, like, a lot faster. Hmm. So, like, there's an element of, like, practice that, like, Garrett would actually do that the player can do to recognize locks right off the bat. I thought it was pretty cool uh, that he had those practice, like that one practice lock in his room. I never, never, I guess I never looked on the back shelf for practice locks to buy from fences. Yeah, you can, you can buy them from fences. Um, and they're, they're just these different, so like you can actually, there's slightly more, like it's not a perfect lock picking system. Like if, if, you know, locking, locking systems, you know, are 3d fallout computer hacking Mm -hmm. and then just go down from there, you know, like (laughs) it just kind of get worse from, from there. Um, so it's not quite that good, but like it's, there's more to it than I thought. Yeah. Like, um, you know, I like this idea because once I started recognizing the different keyholes and figured that out, like Mm -hmm. I was way better at those locks. Like if you know where to go, you can do them like really, really quick. Yeah. Um, and the fact that you can't, uh, and then they're used really masterfully in in the level that shall not be named yet, um, <laughs> yeah. where the the cue for an enemy approaching is you know <laughs> particularly terrifying, and you can't look away from a lock once you start picking it. Oh, so they use that really, really well. I would, I think. Can we get to that uh, level? Yeah, like we, we, soon, soon, <laughs> soon enough well, is not soon enough, Gary. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, we should also mention uh, if you want to take people out non-lethally, um, sneaking up mm-hmm. behind them and doing a uh, like a critical attack is always good. You have this blackjack, which makes less noise than if you use your uh, your dagger. Yes, which they, is, they'll uh, scream and they leave blood. Yeah, if you dagger them, um, you always have to dispose of the bodies. But again, that way that there's no the moral only moral system is that it uses more resources and is less professional mm-hmm. to kill. So uh, you have to use a water arrow arrow if you want to clean up the blood. Mm-hmm. If you uh, use the dagger, Um, which I ended up using the dagger, like these games, I tend to start out as a good guy. And then eventually, like (laughs) my player frustration ends up turning me into a bad guy partway through. 
So I ended up stabbing a bunch of people, but not not at first. I always find that that curve up to just straight up going pro ice on somebody and killing them is mm-hmm. it kind of it kind of tracks along with how in danger is the world right now, and so I can always yeah, justify it. Yeah, that's totally true. Like that that actually that happened here too because it's like, guys, you're in my way, and <laughs> and I need to get these these MacGuffins. You're coming after me for a stupid reason. I can't explain that to you, so let my knife do the talking. Exactly. Yeah. What what else is there as far as basic systems that'd be good to to talk about now that are introduced in the uh the tutorial? Um guard patrols, which that's oh, always sure. satisfying in first person for me. Like in Metal Gear, that's fine. Like from a top down, it's easy to spot the pattern. But like in first person, it's much more timing based than like mm-hmm. lo- lo- you know locational awareness kind of you know kind of based. You know that you know this guy walked around this corner and he's probably not going to be back for you know such and such amount of time. Like it feels um, just a little bit more uh, you know, like bootstrappy. That's a weird word to use for it, but uh, like mm-hmm. like you're putting more elbow grease into it. Yeah. Yeah, I like that a lot, too. Yeah. Um, and this, it's very gentle here. Mm-hmm. Um, so essentially what we're here to do um, is, get the, you know, we find out about this uh, this Lord Julian who who has this uh, this treasure. Um, and uh, we have to get into his room, um, you know, and we're kind of just like kind of exploring these these little nooks and crannies to get the information that we need to do that. Um, we find out that a cook has asked him to go out and meet uh, in this other room so we yeah. can actually get into his room and we can actually hear their plan, which is a real plot MacGuffin to the whole game. <laughs> like it really sounds like this is going to be more important. It's going to be about like kind of pl- politics in the city Yep. Um, where they, they have this kind of plan to establish birth birthright. Yeah. Uh, but that's not really what you're doing. Oh, you actually no. just sneak past the patrol and get into his empty room to get the medallion. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so there's a pretty nice tense uh, kind of experience as you are, you know, they're, they're, they're sitting there looking into the fire uh, down in this uh, kind of kind of lounge, like common room. And you have to uh, take out a guard and then sneak up and grab this, grab this medallion off of his off of his belt. Right. Mm hmm. Yeah. And uh, this gives you kind of, uh, you know, like you, you didn't get the opal, but you got the uh, um, kind of the, the directions to the estate and, a, and an easy way in if you want to take it. Exactly. Yeah. They, they tell you how to how to actually sneak in yeah. as well. Um, yeah. And you get a little cutscene um, where this this ink is burning on a page mm-hmm. and the symbol appears, but the scribe actually rips out of the page, which yeah. will make sense way later <laughs> um, why this is happening. So many, so many of these cutscenes just kind of feel like they took a, about five seconds out of a later cutscene and put them just, yeah. just sprinkled them. I do, I do kind of feel like that for sure. Yeah. Um, the, uh, even though the opening cutscene where they kind of show the different players of the city, mm-hmm. the part where they're introducing the, um, the pagans is really cool. Oh yeah. Where this like plants grow from blood. Like, <laughs> no, that's at the really, beginning like, of uh, mission three. Oh, okay. Four, that, yeah, yeah. That hasn't happened yet. You're right. For some reason, I thought that was in the opening cutscene. They show something else with the pagans in the beginning, but that's different than this. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So now we know how to get into the, the estate. So we're going to mission two, end of the bloodline. So this is taking you right from right from mission to mission. You've you've done the tutorial, and this is kind of the real uh, kind of beginning. And it feels a lot like a regular thief game at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Like so the, the right, information we got. Or, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Uh, right down to this being a big, heavily guarded compound manor house. <laughs> like you're yeah. just going in here, and there are guards, and there's lots of shiny good stuff for you to get. Yeah, and that's that's kind of where the, these games shine. Mm-hmm. Like it's fun just to be on the outside of a house and fleece it. <laughs> um, the information we got is that um, 
the cook who's inside can be signaled to let us in if we put out this uh, lion head sconce mm-hmm. with a with a bow and arrow. However, there's also an entrance to the the study if you want to jump up to the second floor window. Mm-hmm. Um, you just have to see it. And most of these places will have multiple entrances. Yeah. Once you actually get to the level, which changes your direction of attack and the order of rooms that you go through. Uh, reveals mm-hmm. different uh, diary entries and stuff. Um, as you uh, as you go along, so you're you're getting different versions of the information. Also, getting up to that top one, I didn't I didn't realize I could do that until I understood how the mantling worked. Yeah, yeah. Which uh, yeah, so the second second game, like it's not the second game in a row because we did Castlevania in between. Did people are listening? But mm-hmm. second game we played in a row with like kind of obtuse <laughs> mantling. Yeah. But uh, yeah, if you, if you can clamber up, you can skip kind of the first floor of the mansion. But uh, you're mm-hmm. going into this, and I love the story of this place because, you know, it really is that, uh, you know, family and noble politics kind of side mm-hmm. of it. You know, you've got this Lord Ember who is in the manor now, um, and you're overhearing, like, the like the um, servants, you know, the, uh, like the, the those people saying, like, okay, well, I guess I've got to sew these uniforms, and I'm going to have to sew new ones again when Julian comes back. Like, there's this inevitability of the back and forth. Um, kind of brought into it. They really do a good job of seeding this as a, as a red herring for the plot mm-hmm. because they, they give so much detail to this family mm-hmm. that doesn't end up becoming important later. Um, there's this whole little bit about uh, his wife mm-hmm. um, who, uh, you know, is giving the guards this hard time and, and she's kind of a kind of shrewish. Um, but you find out it's actually kind of a sh- like a sham marriage. Like mm-hmm. it's, you know, it, and, and she's actually trying to kill him and take the jewel. And again, you have no moral stakes in this. Like, <laughs> the degree to which this game is immoral is really impressive to me. Amoral. Um, amoral, rather. Thank <laughs> yeah. you. The game to which this game is actually amoral and your protagonist is amoral is really kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and it's funny because, like, it kind of absolves you because you're walking into a situation that is already self-destructing. <laughs> yeah, totally. Like, and... you're, you're just here to, to be, like, the, the vulture that profits. Mm-hmm. From you know, from what what's going on already? Yeah, you're you're a regular Lord of War. <laughs> um. Hallelujah! <laughs> <laughs> but uh, everybody's jockeying for this opal because it's not just incredibly valuable. Whoever owns it is the uh, is the heir apparent to the family. Yes. So so in uh, some diary entry or some such, this is absurdly large print like diaries for kids that everyone <laughs> yeah. is producing, which for some reason always have one line dangling on a new page. Oh yeah, tons of orphans. Like just sh- shrink, yeah, shrink the font like <laughs> half a point, guys. Yeah. Like you're constantly turning the page just to find like one line. Yeah. Um, but you find out that uh, he's got this portcullis hiding his stuff in the basement, and there's a switch in his uh, his office that actually mm-hmm. opens it. Yeah. Um, and so you have to and, get in there, and he's just kind of pacing around his room, thinking about all the people trying to kill him. And, uh, you know, you just come up and hit him in the back of the head and go down to yeah, the Yeah, or stab him in the old neck. <laughs> um, I mean, I hit him in the head, too, but yeah. neck stabbing is always an option. Um, yeah. <laughs> yep. And you go down to the basement, and uh, again, more of this intrigue. Like, Julian's coming in, and he's working with this cook. But the cook in his diary says, you know what? I didn't tell him about the portcullis, because if he treated me better, he would probably live. <laughs> so. Mm-hmm. The the cook was leading him into a trap too. Like this is like a like a like a Tennessee Williams novel. <laughs> Nobody likes this guy. Yeah. Um yeah. So so uh you eventually you so you have the opal, you get the opal from the from the basement, and you're gonna bring it to Perry, who is your uh your fence and a bad voice actor. <laughs> and he's gonna cut it up into smaller pieces to sell it. Um mm-hmm. that's your plan. So now yeah. we're we're in the city. You start out in your apartment, um, which I love the idea of like a guard with a map putting in little pins mm-hmm. where there are thieves and all of them just emanating from this one space. <laughs> like, oh, there's this, this landlord who every day reports that his money and his candlestick is missing. 
<laughs> I wonder who it is. Well, um, well, oh, there's a lady who gets knocked out every single day of her life in front of her yeah, fireplace. It, it, there's, I wonder. Like it just it, it, there's just one point. Like if only it was an arrow or like a smiley face or something. Yeah, you know, we would have something to go on. But uh, we can't do yeah. anything with just this one building. Come on. Yeah, this one building where all of the crime in the city emanates from. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, this is the city section, and uh, you know you get this little tip like yeah, the city guard's going to hassle me, but the residents won't. Um, however, some residents will go and get the city guard if they see you because there are wanted posters out. Yeah. Yeah. If they see you, I think it's actually proximity based. I think if it's your near a wanted poster, which is kind of cool. Oh. Um, or if they see you do anything or brandish a weapon. Mm. Um, I, I read somewhere that you can mug citizens, but I was never able to do it. Um, where you can just brandish a weapon and they'll give you their stuff and then run away. Um, I could never pull that off. I kept trying to. Uh, like, so, you can just sneak behind them and take their stuff. Oh yeah, like they're they're always the ones who have like the uh, the uh, like the bags dangling from their belts. Um, and later mm-hmm. when you get to the rich place, uh, there there are the uh, the women with like these crowns and tiaras that you can steal mm-hmm. off of their heads, which yeah. is uh, just delightful. But sometimes they're wearing bracelets or glasses, and you have to actually knock them out to steal their stuff. Mm. Um, and you're supposed to be able to mug those people, but I couldn't do it. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know if I was doing something wrong. Um, but yeah, you, you, you not, you rob your neighbors, you rob your landlord. Um, you, you essentially, there's a note where your landlord, I think he's like extorting money or he's getting a payment sent to a sewer grate. Mm-hmm. Um, you're just kind of doing this, this fun stuff, but essentially you, you, you make your way to, to Perry and Perry says, uh, he can't actually do it, but there's a black market Bertha, um, <laughs> who's probably her Christian name, um, in the snow market who can actually help you out. Well, Hey Garrett, why don't you come over here and, uh, you know, just look my way. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love the fences. Like, just like, you have so many of them. They've got two speeds: either like completely in awe of you, or just wanting to jump on your dick. Yeah, yeah. They they they, they run the gamut of emotions, <laughs> like, like of of admiration to maximum horny. <laughs> like that one that just wants to to blow you constantly. And like Garrett, like there's no real reason why Garrett is not. Like Garrett is such a cool loner. Like he's, <laughs> he's, he's such a cool Wolverine figure. He doesn't give a shit. Man. He's a man going his own way. You know, he is. He is a man going his own way. He doesn't need the keepers. He doesn't need women. Um, yeah. but, but, the, except, and he's he's amoral. Mm-hmm. Um, he's contributing to the downfall of society. He's a man going his own way. <laughs> yeah. um, but um, yes, yeah, so, so you're introduced, introduced to these fences and just different uh, fences will buy different things, uh, which is yes. it makes sense in a way, but also is kind of annoying. It's kind of a pain in the dick. I wish that thief shops and fences were combined into the same building. Yeah, me too. Like I would have just like one black, you know, one red light district or whatever mm-hmm. that I could just do all one stop shopping. Because especially when you have to actually transition between different quarters of the city mm-hmm. um, as things get more hectic, it becomes a real pain in the ass to even fence your stuff. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, but when you go to Bertha, I got a letter for you. Um, she, yeah, she's, yep. she's got a letter uh, from Keeper Artemis, who uh, you'll recognize from the first game, who uh, wants to meet up with you. Yeah, yep, yep, yeah. Um, so you know, you uh, you head there um, towards the uh, the Terses courtyard. This Terses <laughs> guy is really important because he has a gallery uh, later. Um, you get the cinematic uh, where Garrett doesn't like being followed, um, <laughs> and uh, the keepers are interested in him um, because they, uh, you know. They they think he's the person who's going to be able to do this, and he's done work for them in the past. He has this connection. Um, mm-hmm. As an orphan, he was caught by the keepers, and they trained him before yeah. he decided to become a man going his own way. And uh, <laughs> so they're going to give him access to the prophecies. And uh, before so, they want two objects, one from the Hammerites and one from the Pagans. Mm-hmm. Um, so you need to actually get the chalice from the Hammerites 
in St. Edgar's Church in Stonemarket or the Jack Knoll's Paw from the Pagans in the South Quarter. And you can do them in any order you like. Yes. Which and is pretty cool. This is cool. I wish that there were more of these kind of splits. There's only two. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it makes no difference because you have to do both of them. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it just uh, when it finally starts railroading you, it feels a little bit uh, a little bit weak to me. Yeah, agreed. But for now, like, we're going to go just kind of in the order that the missions are numbered uh, with St. Edgar's Eve, which has you infiltrating the Hammerite um, uh, Cathedral, which is also a factory because, like we said, these are these um, machinists um, who are fabricating and doing a whole bunch of stuff. And it just so happens that this is their holy day, uh, yep. which <laughs> makes it the perfect time to commit some crimes. A perfect time to yeah, it's crime time. Uh, <laughs> that's what I said whenever I started a mission in this game. It's crime time for I sh- Garrett Gary. I shouted it out my window. The police were very upset. Yeah. It's crime time. Um, yeah, it's, it's a perfect day to go to them on their, their most holy day and just hit them in the head with a bag full of nickels. <laughs> as they but, pray <laughs> piously. Yep. Yeah. Um, as so, they pray piously. Yes. <laughs> I like that. But, I'm just working on my alliteration chops. No. It's good. So um, um, the Hammerites, you know, they, they're they just kind of like the guards. There's not really that much, like, casting or ranged combat going on here. However, hmm. what's that? Oh, no, I said, no, I was agreeing with you. Oh, okay, yes. Um, but uh, kind of the little gimmick to this, that it's weird that there's a gimmick that makes a level easier. But uh, mm-hmm. uh, on this holy day, or just in general, this is such a pious group that whenever they pass a uh, a statue of St. Edgar, their, uh, their kind of patron patron saint, uh, they have to pray to it. So this is just a convenient excuse for people to expose their backs to you and not pay attention. Exactly. Yeah. So whenever anyone prays, they have like a vision by which mm-hmm. I mean you knock them out and they mm-hmm. probably dream. Um, yeah. <laughs> there, there's this whole uh, this this whole bit. Is this where you have to get the um, the the master symbol to get the gear down from yes. the cage? Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. There's a lot of levels in this game, so forgive me if they they run together. And I played a lot of this early mm-hmm. uh, for the show, so everyone who's listening, forgive me. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's kind of cool because it introduces these puzzle elements. Yeah. That happened to the game too, where it's like this order of operations. Like you find, you know put together disparate uh, diaries or notes or what have you that tell you how to do something. Yeah. And then you have to do those things in order, which like, it made me think that like this game, I know some people who play stealth games uh, and they feel like if they're not ghosting it, mm-hmm. they're not having any fun. I would not want to go back and forth and try to figure out a puzzle without having free reign of the place. Mm-hmm. Like I more or less first order of business is to knock out everyone. Oh, yeah. knock out and or murder every single mm-hmm. person in the building and then i can just explore at my leisure and like that's how i played every level in the game yeah more or less so like this was no exception this is the first time where i felt like that was like almost necessary <laughs> just because uh, uh you have to do this puzzle yeah and if they woke up after you knocked them out like i could i could see them going that direction i could see mm-hmm. it uh uh kind of kind of changing that but like i played this like i played metal gear solid five <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like I just rolled up and just non-lethal everybody. If I could have Fulton's the Fulton to these people, I would have. Mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, so it goes. Uh, but yeah, yeah. I, I, I totally agree. But like that order of operations or the puzzle thing, like it incentivizes you reading these notes, learning about how hardcore this uh, this place is. But like it also plays into the theme, too, because an unmarked gear for them is like this piece of apocrypha. Like it's almost blasphemous to have one of these. And only the uh, the high priest can, you know, mark them with his symbol. And that's what you need to activate the machinery. So you have to figure out how to get this 
um, uh, priest out of his offices by ringing this bell. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, which is pretty cool. There. Again, it's all stuff that you just read. So, like the the information that you you find out how to beat the level is found in the level, and it's really incentivizing uh, exploration. Yeah, it's not always on the critical path. So. I also I also love up by the up by the offices. There's uh, the dormitory with uh, with the guards, um, and there's a sleeping guard who's having an, an anxiety dream about not being able to find enough coal to keep the forges going. I never have enough coal to keep my forges going. <laughs> oh, Gary, um, just text yeah. me, man. It's fine. <laughs> like, I need coal. Uh, the, it, it made me think that uh, it'd be a real bummer to be aligned with the Hamrites in this town. Like, if oh, I was yeah. going to be any of these guys, I'd be a pagan. Because <laughs> these guys just seem like they just, like, eat fruit and fuck. Oh, yeah, just a like, full-on fuck and all. Yeah. yeah, just constantly just whine and they all whine and fuck. Like, you, you know, <laughs> the old whine and fuck. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know what would bother me though? I guess for all of this, but most especially with the pagans, the smell. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I guess that's true. They would yeah. all smell like patchouli. Like, yeah, I think that they all use some kind of crystal instead of deodorant. That's it. Yeah, just, just, just like rub it near their armpit, but not on. <laughs> yep. And just hope that it mystically. I, this bee's taking away the odors. Like, <laughs> no, he's not. Why'd you make him sound uh, Amish? That's how they talk. <laughs> no, no, he doesn't. <laughs> The way that you did, one of them that's very Amish. No, the, the way that you descended on that made it made it sound very Amish. He's be taking away the odors. I feel like I feel like there's at least one of them that has that accent. I, one of the voice actors for those guys. Oh well. Anyway, anyway, um, I, I, <laughs> go into the factory, which is pretty great because it's just a bunch of death traps. Like you can turn on a mm-hmm. flame floor, which there's no reason for it to exist. <laughs> well, yeah, just in case you want to cook meat on the floor. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, the flame flame floor is great. Um, and especially if you're trying to be non-lethal, like that would be such a pain in the dick if like there was actually a benefit for being non-lethal in this yeah. game, you know, or, or like, a, you know, you lost a ranking at the end because uh-huh. it's just like, I just wanted to flip the switch. Yeah. Um, I mean, there are, there are a bunch of signs that say danger, like do not flip switch for flame floor. <laughs> a lot of very clearly drawn diagrams. <laughs> um, however, you eventually, you, uh, you stand, we actually learned about an important character too, just real quick yes. here. And I forgot this actually happened because it's so mm-hmm. early in the game. He doesn't become important until really much later, uh, which is inspector drept. Yes. Um, who is an important character who has an obsession with somebody called the gray lady. Who turns out to be very important. I love the way they talk about him. It's like, how do you solve a problem like Drept? Yeah. <laughs> a little bit because like he's he's so devout, but he's never in the church. He's always searching for this great lady. But he serves yeah. us so well, but he's never at the services. But like it just goes on and on. It's great. He's a, he's a man going his own way. Yeah. Um <laughs> So, so you uh, eventually you stamp this unstamped gear and mm-hmm. uh, lower this cage and grab the chalice. Yeah. And then uh, and then get out. And if you play it the way that I play it, like getting out is no problem because everyone, <laughs> you just left a, a trail of corpses and sleepies. You just walk um, out twirling too. your cane. Exactly. Also, you stole a cane. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so you're on a mission four into the pagan sanctuary. Sanctuary. This is where you get that uh, cutscene mm-hmm. with the cool flower growing out of blood. Oh, which I like. So good. Yeah. Um, this is a relatively short mission. That there's really nothing to write home about here, um, aside from it's. Go ahead. Yeah. When, when you're in non-man-made areas, it's kind of a bummer because like the treasure just ends up being like crystals on the ground. <laughs> um, well, it's it's kind of deodorant. Come on. Yeah, like I guess like yeah, pagan deodorant. Um, it just kind of ends up being kind of stupid. And you lose that point of reference for what's valuable and and what you know because like when you're inside a building, it kind of makes sense. Like oh, yeah, stuff that's prominently displayed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like oh, they're gonna they're gonna put this behind a locked door, you know. Mm-hmm. And when you're in the the areas that are not uh, 
not diegetic or you know, don't feel like not that's not the right word but don't feel like they're from the real world at all mm-hmm. um it gets harder yeah. and and i i think that the fact that the the pagan levels are short is really merciful yeah um you know i i prefer them that way mm-hmm Definitely. And so like, this is like, it's, it's a pretty cool area. If you just take it at face value, because you can, you, you go through this well and you're in these tunnels and there are these two thieves kind of talking up how dangerous the pagans are. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I don't know, man, it's a bad idea. Well, we're going to turn back. Well, I'm not going to turn back. Well, I'm not going to let you go alone. Um, yeah. And, and then that, they immediately just like walk off and I kill them. Both. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And then take their take. Um, exactly. Yeah. But uh, this kind of gives way into this section of the city that's been reclaimed by nature, which I'm always going to love. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, um, and, th- and this is uh, this is where they have the um, the canals with the uh, the golems mm-hmm. in it, where you first run your first uh, non-human enemy. Yeah, um, which is really great because the way they they treat them here, they can't climb ladders and they're only down in the canal. So like, they become this environmental thing as opposed to an actual enemy. Mm-hmm. Like they become almost like a, a patrolling turret kind of thing. Yeah, because uh, you can't do very much about them, but they actually put treasure down there. You're going to want. Mm-hmm. So you really have to. You're you're, you're given a really good advantage to observe them, uh, but you can't take them out. Yeah. Uh, I don't think you can. You might be able to, but I was not able to take them out. You probably could with a bunch of arrows. Uh, maybe, um, yeah. I mean, actually, I know you can take them out because when you get to the last one, yep. um, where you, uh, there's one kind of patrolling around the Jack Nell's paw. Yeah, around the and, cave, uh, like in that shrine, yeah. Yeah, so I, t- I, I took that one out, but it takes a bunch of arrows. Mm-hmm. Like, it's very resource-intensive to take these things out. Yeah. Which, again, it's fortunate that this area is so short because you're not going to burn through a lot of uh, resources to get here. Yeah. Um, uh, this is a puzzle, um, a little bit more involved than the previous one, uh, just because you have to go to the shaman's area and find like the, the a diary with the details of the rite. But this shrine where the where the um, paw is kind of being held, it needs uh, like a sacrifice. It needs water and then moss and then blood. Yes. So you have to actually do something lethal. Yeah. You know, it's just killing a monster. Mm-hmm. Um, but they give you arrows for that, yeah. luckily. Um, I don't know if we quite talked about it, but we talked about water arrows. Moss arrows actually create a big blanket of moss, yeah. which no one freaks out about. You know, it looks really <laughs> creepy, um, which silences your footsteps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I always forget that those are a thing. <laughs> yeah, even when they're really handy. Mm-hmm. Like, when I remember them, it's great. But I ended the game with, like, 20 of them. Yeah. Because I, I forgot as well. Yeah, like, they're they're most useful if you're trying to do, like, a big drop. Like, if there's no other mm-hmm. way to get down yeah. or, like, that's the quickest way to do it. Um, but, yeah. Uh, but yeah, like, I, they're more useful in previous games, especially where the areas are more intricate and they're doing more to, like, mix the uh, the, the sound profiles of the services you're walking on. But um, mm-hmm. but here it feels a little bit like they're a holdover. Um, and then your water water arrows. I love the concept of those. And also just yeah. you're, you're turning on the dark. So exactly. I love turning on the dark. Yeah. Um, yeah, so eventually you get this paw and you, you get it, get out of dodge. Mm-hmm. And we get this little interstitial section in the yeah. keep with the keepers. Yeah, so you're kind of invited into the keeper's uh, headquarters, this library. The, the, the library, yeah. Later we go to their actual headquarters. Yes. This is just their library. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, uh, uh, you know, Artemis uh, leads you in here, and there's a cinematic with this creepy girl reading these prophecies, this interpreter, Katika. Played by Ethan Hawke. <laughs> um, and uh, and also you run into Orland, who we knew from before, who's the first keeper now, who... Uh, in cutscenes, this guy looks like he's like a like a weird creature wearing a person mask. <laughs> yeah. 
like his neck, like he just has definition on like a like a paper plate around his face. Like if mm-hmm. you took a paper plate, pressed it against your face, and then drew a line around that, mm-hmm. and then just cheese grated all the definition out of everything that wasn't that. <laughs> like he's really weird. His model yeah. is super weird. Yeah, I would say this is some of the worst CG uh, cutscene that we've seen, especially in a PC game since like the longest journey. <laughs> Yeah, this is really rough looking. Like, it looks good in-game. Like, it's fine for in-game, you know? Mm -hmm. Because you're never that close to these guys, but this looks pretty bad. Well, and also, like, the the, the length that they are trying to aim for with the CG. Like, it's funny how they, like, spread out the budget. If it's short, they do really good animation and, like, lots of, like, close-ups. And, like, it's it's mostly, like, 2D that is meant to look 3D. Like, especially, like, the ending cutscene. They get that. But anytime they're using a cutscene to convey dialogue, they, they go into Paper Plate Man. Yeah, they don't know how to do it. Like it, yeah, yeah. You're playing that's so good. Just, but so you're you're around the the library. He gives you passage, so you're mm-hmm. able to hang out in the library. Yeah. There's actually a fun optional thing you can do here because they have a forbidden library. Yeah. And you can sneak into that just to steal some stuff. But he's like, you'll not apply your trade here, thief. So it's like the only place in the game where you can't knock anybody out. You can't actually do anything. But if you want to, you can get some some pretty good treasure mm-hmm. just by sneaking into places you're not supposed to be. Yeah. Uh, the only like significant lore thing here, I, I only did this later on when you uh, have the mid-game turn against your former employers. Um, mm-hmm. there's, a, there's a book that explains a little bit of your history. Gary, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, gives a little bit of an explanation about, um, you know, basically says, in case he stops being useful, here's what you need to know about him. And also there's yeah. an amazing uh, description of what they do to turn somebody into uh, one of the assassins. Yeah, yeah, those things which come up later. And I think that you run into those after you've seen the assassin, so it yes. has meaning, you know, mm-hmm. um, which is very cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it, it's their Xavier protocols. The... <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, so, and then you also find books that explain that the Hammerites and Pagans know that you stole their stuff, which, like, mm-hmm. come on, how? Um, but they, 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 this introduces the faction system, and they tell you the chores they want you to do for them. Yeah. So, really optional, but if you feel like doing these things, you can. Mm-hmm. It's it's kind of funny, too, because, you know, we're coming up on the next kind of branch point. We have these two missions that we can go on, and nobody explicitly says, like, hey, here's what you're supposed to do next. Like, you know that people are anxious about this uh, impending Dark Age, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you know that uh, uh, there's just kind of information about there. And really, you only get your leads by either looking for books or listening in on conversations. Yeah, your objective just says uh, research the Dark Age in the in the library, mm-hmm. the upcoming Dark Age. So, like, it's kind of neat. Like, it is, it is kind of cool. It, it can be frustrating if you hear from what happened to me was I found out about one of the missions uh-huh. and went on it. And then I thought I was done. And I didn't know what. I know there was still more to find out. Oh, yeah. So I ended up just like, oh, it says to go back here. And I just like and wandered around and I thought I read all the books and I hadn't and oh, yeah. et cetera. So it's a little bit annoying. <laughs> the, the area is weirdly symmetrical, too. So there there are whole rooms you just might not go into because you thought you yeah. already went into it. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah. So essentially, um, you get this uh, little power here while you're here as well to open up uh, Keeper Glyph doors. Um, which is really funny because some of them just open up into treasure closets. <laughs> like... You know, just straight up like, oh, okay. Yep. The treasure closet. Yeah, um, but those make excellent hiding spaces too, especially throughout the city. Yeah, they're really good, especially once everything goes dark. And then it when they you eventually, you know, spoiler, they take this power away from you. Mm-hmm. You actually feel the impact because yeah. you know, you can come to rely on those hiding places. Mm-hmm. But this um this gets you uh access to the docks. Yes. And yeah. uh and your and your new mission. Mm-hmm. Um you got here as a side note, I don't know if this happened to you here, but it's probably worth talking about. Yes. Um if you if you get killed while you get uh 
in the city, the first time only, um, you get taken to prison, mm-hmm. um, Pavlok prison. And uh, there's this little sequence where you have to escape. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's nice. I kind of wish that would happen every time and that it would get easier every time you escaped. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, the second time they just kill you. So yeah. it's just that you just get the one try. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. If you don't just reload your game. Well, yeah, which I, which I did until I realized that was probably an option. So, yeah. so yeah, it's a it, it is a nice touch, and it's good. You know, anytime, basically, anytime in these games when somebody says, "Ooh, it's unblankable," you're always going to blank that bowl. Exactly, <laughs> you're going <laughs> to blank that bowl. Oh, yeah. So mission five, uh, the house of the widow Moira. Uh, this is a really cool set of missions. Yeah, this, this like... is this is maybe my favorite in the game, other than the mission that is not to be named. Yes, like these two these two missions back to back are really good. Mm-hmm. Um, so essentially, they say like one of the things is like, oh, there's uh, what is the name of the thing the the it's compendium a... <laughs> of reproach? Yep, something yes. like that. Yeah, which, which this captain has, but uh, you need to find his shipping manifest. So you need to actually find. His, uh, his ship, but there's all these rumors going around that the ship came came ashore with uh, crewed by the undead. <laughs> and it's like, ooh, okay. It's like a plague and, ship. Uh, yeah, totally. Like, and it was called the Abysmal Gale. So, like, <laughs> why would you, you name know, your it, ship that? Like, yeah, exactly. Name, name your ship Jennifer. Come on. Exactly. And the, the, you were just asking for it. <laughs> um, so you head to the dock. We're in a new area here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to make our way to the ship. Uh, but uh, the ship is crawling with zombies, which is pretty cool. Like. Because the ship, if this was a huge area, I would not dig it. Nope. But the fact that it's only like eight rooms or something like that means it's it's fine. And it's a little um, bit like designed around the way that these things move, too. Like they're going to run right at you, but they've got holy water spread throughout. And it's nothing but choke points for you to throw the holy water on the ground. Once yep. you realize that you have to do that instead of throwing the holy water at them, um, then mm-hmm. it becomes like this nice little, not quite puzzle, but like a very interesting and engaging horror chore. Yes. Horror chore. Yep. <laughs> um, essentially, once you find the manifest, you find out that they got the book and it's stored at the, this boathouse near the cliffs, uh, near the captain's home. Yeah. Um, which you have to take this dinghy to, um, to these pirate tunnels. And uh, that's this is a really fun. This is one of my favorite levels in the game. <laughs> um, partly just because it's just a, a huge, you know, manse, mm-hmm. like full of sad servants, which is like where Thief shines. But also this whole bit with the widow. Oh, definitely. Really like. yeah. um, and, and also, like, it's it's a, it's a big empty manse. But, like, everybody knows that this person was a captain who wasn't entirely on the level and that that he probably has hidden rooms. So you find a bunch of servants and relatives who are just, like, frantically searching for um, hidden rooms to find his treasure while the widow like rocks and begs for wine in the attic yeah like like their their gravy train is up you know like this is not gonna and so you know the widow if you give her wine Mm -hmm. uh, which you can go down to the kitchen give her wine she just thanks you like nothing happens Mm -hmm. but later when you uh you go down into the basement eventually to get this thing Mm -hmm. inside the chest is the uh the compendium but also money that's going to take care of her yeah. You know, he leaves a note that says, like, hey, this is to take care of my wife. Mm-hmm. You know, she's going to have our time now that I'm gone. And this is actually like you can choose to be a heartless asshole and take the money or not. Um, <laughs> if you don't, you actually she sends you a letter later with some treasure. Oh, which uh, is kind of nice. Yeah. I kind of wish if you wouldn't do that. Like the treasure, like the letter is 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 nice. It's, it's kind of like you know the when your when your family sends you a thank you note, they don't they don't put a, a, a nice crisp twenty dollar bill in there. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to have a gameplay think, reward. 
I feel like it might even be less than than the amount you could have stolen. Yeah. Like it's really modest. I think it's like fifty dollars or something mm. like that. Yeah. It's not it's it's not very much. There's like one tenth of the take you could have gotten. But like yeah. it, I don't like even even Garrett doesn't feel that immoral to me. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't I didn't steal her money. Yeah. But like even that detail that leads to that because there's a there's a Victrola um, in one of the rooms and it's kind of the the, the final letter or the, like the final recording of this captain like giving instructions to the uh, to the wife saying like hey there's this there's this button underneath my desk in my study and you're gonna need to go to the gallery and go under here um, I provided for you and this like it's a really good detail like this is a like it's not quite as like twisting and winding and like even maybe interesting of a short story as the uh, the first mansion we went to with uh, the warring family but um, mm-hmm. it's dark and atmospheric and it's like they are kind of dipping us into these more kind of like sad themes I guess it's dark and atmospheric and also like you have genuine sympathy yes you know for the, for the widow yeah which is which is really cool mm-hmm. yeah it makes me feel bad for piling up all of her unconscious guards under the elevator and then making the elevator come down and crush them all. <laughs> it doesn't actually crush them. But you, you just start going back up. Um, but that's why I was hoping you would just smash them all. I wanted them to give. But... You were trying to pilot the SS body smasher. <laughs> I just I saw Unreal Tournament 2 engine. I was like, oh, this is going to give these motherfuckers as soon as they get out of the elevator. But it doesn't do it. So This is a shockingly nonviolent game for as much as you assassinate people. Yeah. Yeah, huh. for sure. Yeah, so there's one there's one other mission after this though um, that you can do in a different order. This is the Sunken Citadel. Yes, and this is um, the pagan counterpart to this other one. Yes, um, <sighs> we should also mention real quick in the docks. Um, there's a new uh, merchant there who can sell you the thieves' gloves. Yes, um, yeah. which allow you to climb walls, which are handy. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Uh, pro tip for anybody who is thinking of playing this game while they're listening to it: uh, when you're about to climb, go into third person mode. It oh helps. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, so this is the, uh, the the sunken citadel, which you have to head to in this hash north of the docks. Mm-hmm. Um, you're looking for this keeper who is doing this this research, Keeper, keeper Rafe. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is full of, like, this is this is weird monsters <laughs> yeah. who live here. Like, I, this felt like a world-building detail. I don't get um, it. <laughs> well, it's kind, of, it's kind of effective. Like, I like the, the lore of these fishmen. Okay. Right? Like, this, this whole, like, they don't believe that the surface world is real. Like, there's this whole thing about how people, fishmen who believe that there actually is the city are ostracized hmm. and are, are banished and they end up going to the city. You can run into one of them um, in a jail uh, in Stone Market Plaza. Hmm. And if you help him escape, he'll give you a map to this area, which you can do that right out the gate, like as soon as you get to the city. Huh. Uh, but he talks about how he was ostracized because he believed that there might be something above ground. But it's this whole like society that enforces this this weird, you know, this is all there is. Okay. It's like a vault. (laughs) I suppose, yeah. I missed that detail. Uh, By the time I went to get that map, he was gone. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's, you, he's there right away, like more or less. Like Mm -hmm. you just had to find him, you know, when you, when you first go to that section of the city. Yeah. Uh, And then you don't use the map for a couple of missions. So it's kind Mm -hmm. of you know a little bit troubling but it's nice when you but, have um, it uh especially because this is another one of those non-standard kind of areas uh yes. it, it doesn't directly it's not on a grid it feels like not yeah not remotely yeah. um so there's a couple of just different areas of uh you know there's there's places where they keep their their holy treasures um <laughs> and you get this the sense of this kind of three-way power struggle with the rat men the fish men and the pagans <laughs> who are down here. um but you get these, these treasures but you're really going for this library 
And uh, where you read the kind of apocalypse log of this keeper, Rafe. Yeah. Who uh, it's very like TV tropes, classic apocalypse log <laughs> of him talking about finding this uh, this glyph key, but uh, not being able to get out because he's being pursued by these these fishmen. Yes. Through this like area that is about the size of a middle school. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. like, how can you be pursued through that? There are like five rooms. Mm hmm. Yeah, uh, the, the the interesting detail in that and in, in, in his uh, uh, log there is talking about just the resistance that he faced in trying to seek this thing out. That there was, uh, you know, there there were forces within the keepers who were saying we probably shouldn't uncover this, and that even goes back to some letters and things that we found in the uh, in the uh, in the actual library that said like yeah i wanted to create a history of the uh, of of the keepers and like no 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 we're going to punish you we're going to send you to the scribarium uh so that you don't you know busy yourself with these meddlesome things nobody comes back from the scribarium <laughs> um yeah so the, the you know not a all scribarium well. enema yes okay. <laughs> um and and that is where you know and that that's going to get really underlined here in a moment because uh, after you get back, you have the scene in the, the library where Kataga uh, reads, reads from the Compendium of Reproach mm -hmm. and uh, finds out the next part of the prophecy is that when time stops, the evil will be pointed out. <laughs> and you're like, I can stop time. Like, you, you know, you, 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 what if you stop the clock? And it's like, well, OK. <laughs> yeah, but when, metaphors, it, when it okay. rains for five days and four nights, well, I guess I can just leave the hose on. I, I don't know. I got a sprinkler <laughs> yeah. or something. <laughs> exactly. Like that that's what uh that's what what Garrett's doing here. <laughs> So essentially, you're gonna go. You're gonna go stop the clock tower. Yes, and nobody asked you to do this. This is this is you, just strictly just being like, you know what? You're gonna tell me I can't do something. Fuck you! I'm gonna do exactly that thing. It's a real stretch that stopping the clock tower is gonna do jack shit. But we're the try. And, and even the way it pays off is super goofy too. It's real goofy. It's it's really like I wish they had been a little bit more subtle with this. Um, but this level is interesting, at least. Uh, there's a really cool detail when you first get in here where they're like the clock tower. It's killed more people than the city watch can buy. Or like the gears here have killed more people than the city watch. <laughs> yeah. And it is like a real dangerous area. Like it can mm -hmm. really stand to have some handrails. Um, <laughs> but the interesting thing here is you're working your way down like a tower. Yeah. Like, um, you know, so it has this kind of element of like uh, almost like a jumping puzzle mm -hmm. of like safely getting down to the floor while you're being watched by these sorcerers mm -hmm. um, who uh, these kind of distance fighters yeah. on these land. Which, boy, oh boy, do they, do they do a lot of damage. Um, yeah, these, yeah you, uh, don't, you don't want to get caught by those guys. No, no. Um, and that's really the only wrinkle to this is the fact that you're going, uh, that you're doing like a controlled descent. Yeah, it's a, it's a relatively <laughs> short level. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, so you, and you, there's a little puzzle at the bottom figuring out like, oh, I need to stop the steam and then overload the thing and then mm -hmm. add more coal or what you know whatever the actual option is yeah. to, uh, to make the clock tower blow up. But when you do, the clock tower actually falls and points at the uh the keepers yes points at uh, more specifically the office of keeper orland yes and at this point they're like well you're obviously the bad guy because <laughs> you because you're a terrorist yes because you you just you killed untold hundreds of people <laughs> yes the city is ruined like rubble yes. is everywhere yep no you, really you like the, it, cha it changes the, the map <laughs> yeah. yeah you, you, you drop you, the, you drop the pizza yeah yeah you drop the pizza 
Um, so since you dropped the pizza, you are now the betrayer or whatever the word is. <laughs> the brethren and betrayer yes. is, uh, is, is the, 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 the prophesied antichrist or whatever um, there is here. And this is uh, the kind of one of the moments where, yes, this is a looking glass slash deus ex game where the people you were working with turn out to be the bad guys after all for a well, moment. It's, they, they think that it's you not just because of this, uh, this act of terrorism, but mm-hmm. also because uh, interpreter Gattaca dies. Yes. Um, yeah, and it, in, in a pretty gruesome way. Oh yeah. And uh, and he's just like, oh, it must have been Garrett. Mm-hmm. And he obviously he has a reason to to lie because you just knocked down the clock, <laughs> pointing at him. But uh, everyone believes him. Yeah. So essentially, um, it introduces these weird assassins. Yeah, I love um, these assassins, like, the masked yeah, uh, uh, keeper guys. Yeah. Yeah, psychic assassins, which <laughs> is cool because they they communicate telepathically. But uh, they don't think you can hear them, mm-hmm. which I think is a really cool detail. Like, you can still do that since you were once a keeper or what have you. Yeah. Um, and I also love Orland's order uh, to uh, to track me down and unwrite me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really good. <laughs> it's so good. Uh, but these guys, they've got um, – they're, they're, not, they're not quite as – their range attack is not quite as ruinous as the uh, uh, guys that you encounter in the clock tower. But uh, they're very mm-hmm. persistent, and they move very quickly. Yeah. And they, they actually will fight other like guards and stuff that they run mm-hmm. into. So you have this little bit of like Bioshock-esque uh, turning yeah. independent systems against each other. <laughs> like you can use that to your environment. If they're fighting yeah. each other, they'll ignore you. Yeah. Uh, I also had a little bit of a, like when these guys broke out and all of a sudden there's this next level threat in a formerly familiar area. It felt a little bit like when the hunters were unleashed in Resident Evil. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's it, it's a pretty cool turn. Yeah. Like it, it forces you to re reimagine the city. Mm-hmm. And, and how you've been uh, making your way through it. Yeah. But you wake up in a new sector of the city, too. So you're not only uh, forced to deal with this new threat, but also figure out how to get around in this old quarter. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're heading to your fence just to see if he has any ideas. And when you get there, he's actually dead. Um, they've murdered him and, and tossed his shop. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a letter from a friend who says, like, hey, go back to your house. Yep. And you go there. And, uh, and guess what? Your friend is dead, too. <laughs> yeah. It was a very uh, pretty funny, funny little beat. <laughs> Um, and there's an enforcer hanging out there, mm-hmm. which this is the first time I turned, I definitely turned the guard cause there's a guard patrolling your apartment complex mm-hmm. and I used a noisemaker arrow, which we oh, didn't yeah. mention, but they, uh, they're little firecrackers oh, I love those and use that to lead them to the same place and make them fight. So I can get in and out. <laughs> it's satisfying. Nice. Yeah. Um, but, uh, they, they sound super spooky. One of the things about these guys in lore is that they have no other way to communicate except telepathically. Mm-hmm. because of the runes and such that were placed on them. And the keepers don't tell the candidates for being an enforcer that this happens, that they're, yeah. that, that, that they are going to be kind of irrevocably changed in this really fundamental way. Yeah. Cause they're bastards. <laughs> um, perhaps the truth is not in the middle. Ooh. Um, at, at your house, there's a note that says that there are, you still have some friends and they're in the graveyard. Mm-hmm. So you head there and you find this, uh, this group of uh, keepers who don't think you're guilty. Um, and they know the whole trial is a sham and that, uh, there's still more, you know, more to, more to it. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And so they know that somebody within their ranks is trying to bring about the new dark age. Um, and this is the point where all of the glyph doors are closed specifically because of this enemy faction within the keepers. Orlin does not trust anybody. Yes. Yep. 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 Um, so yeah, you think that Orlin is probably the betrayer, betrayer, and, uh, you actually have to head to the uh actually head to the keeper compound mm-hmm. to to find out more and also undo this thing that's closing you off from the glyphs yeah 
And so uh, because the glyph doors are closed, you have to find an alternate way into the uh, into the library, which, of course, is just right above the old door. You yeah. just have to climb. <laughs> I, I think this is the first time that you're required to have the uh, the climbing gloves. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't yeah. explicitly say that, but they're awesome to have anyway. So yeah. save up the money and buy them. Uh, and when you're in here, uh, you have to deal with these keepers, which were, you know, which are now hostile. Uh, a lot of these notes are, uh, that I have in here in the, in the document are from that hidden, uh, area that we already talked about. So we mm -hmm. can actually just go up to Orlin's, um, uh, office and go to the actual headquarters compound. Yeah, so once you once you actually get get in there uh, through Orland's office uh, through the library, um, you find out you find Orland. He's talking to an acolyte, and uh, you need to actually persuade some of these keepers to vote toward, <laughs> towards your section. Or he, you know, yeah, yeah. So um, like there are different motions up that will make the uh, that will make the uh, mission more difficult for you or <laughs> less difficult, um, as it were. I forget what the two motions are, but uh, this is the the, the council room. And you have access to two of the uh, two of the council people right away. Um, and as they take the vote, you hear who has uh, like different opinions about these things, either uh, moving a very valuable piece of loot or um, uh, posting a guard by Kataka's um, uh, murder site by the crime scene. Um, and by knocking out the people who are going to vote against you uh, or vote, vote against what you want, uh, you, you know, you persuade things to work out in yeah. your favor. They vote in a really elaborate and beautiful way where everyone stands in this gigantic symbol where they walk forward with candles <laughs> yep. if uh, if they're voting yes, mm -hmm. um, which is like super easy to fake, which is great. <laughs> yeah. um, yep. So it's it's more simple than we're making it sound like you just have to knock out these two people after they say their case, but before they vote. <laughs> you know, so nobody notices, but uh, but it feels much more complex and significant than it actually is. Yeah, and it's also optional too. Like yeah. it just it just changes the difficulty, but it is it does lend credence to this or lend the feeling this is a, a living place that you know is operating outside of you. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. So you head to the dormitory to find out where Artemis is at, um, and find out that these other keepers are are suspicious. Yeah, um, you know, checking out all these different notes. Um, is this the first time you find a note uh, to Orlin marked with a C? Yes. Okay. Because that ends up being significant. Mm -hmm. uh, you find these these notes seemingly from Kataka, in, uh, instructing Orlin in these different different yeah. things. Yes, and I think that uh, this is where it starts being revealed that uh, it was Kataka who was telling you to go get these uh, artifacts. Yes, as it was like indeed. it is. It is this C passing all, passing along instructions to Orlin to give to you. Yes. Um, ultimately, through this stuff, you're, you're grabbing a key and, and getting access to Orlin's room. Mm -hmm. um, you have to use a key or a ring to get in there, a secret ring slot. Yeah, which is um, super small. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Easy mess. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, you get in there, um, you find Orlin's room, and uh, it turns out he wasn't actually responsible. You come in here, you're expecting a smoking gun, and, and you don't mm -hmm. find it. No, he was really hapless. <laughs> yep. Like, uh, uh, he has no idea what happened. Yep, indeed. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, you have this uh, the seal that stops you from being able to use the uh, the glyphs. You have to melt that in the fire by the entrance. Yes, they're and eternal then, flame. Uh, yep, and then head to Catacor's quarters, uh, where she's been turned into a statue. Super and, creepy. Uh, I love it. Yeah, it's real good. <laughs> um, you know, she she didn't just die, and uh, you find out like you know whoever did this has to be a master of these glyphs. And the way glyphs work in this game is kind of confusing. Uh, easy way to think of it is just magic. Yep. 
Like if you just replace whenever anyone says glyphs, just replace it with the word magic <laughs> and it will make just as much sense. Yeah. Um, it's, it's also super creepy because you find her dead in the study. But when you go into the uh, the bedroom, there's this gargoyle with a note addressed to you in there. Oh, and yeah. Nobody is supposed to know that you're there. That's really cool. It's not just a gargoyle with a note. It's in its mouth. Yep. And it's like poised kind of in a spooky sense. <laughs> so when you get to the the final place where you're supposed to go, like she's reading about these sentient artifacts, which will become important. Yeah. Um, you go to where the note tells you to go. And uh, you see a woman who comes in and awakens all these statues and sends them after you. <laughs> and turns out, like we find out that this is actually the hag. Yeah. Um, which we're going to find out more about. But this is the actual antagonist. And she's been playing us all for fools. Yeah. I love these statues. Just the way they yeah. talk. And well, they, they talk. Here's a, here's a cool detail. I'm sorry to cut you off that you may or may not have noticed is that they are patterning, patterning their speech after her. Like she says everything in groups of threes where yes. she reiterates words. So that's what the statues do in a cruder sense. Mm -hmm. Like they're they're talking like their master. It's really yeah. great. Like, um, <laughs> it's pretty fantastic. And also the fact that they're del de delivering it in this kind of very evenly spaced monotone, like it's mm -hmm. find and kill and crush and kill and find and kill and crush and kill. It's super yeah. unnerving because it's like it's words you recognize. And, you know, they're, they're obviously like mapping to different guard pattern. Like, oh, is that door open? Open, empty, find and look and open. Empty. Yeah, yeah. Like, and it's always in this meter. It feels so unworldly. <laughs> Yeah, it's really great. Yeah. Um, they're also the loudest, like they're much louder when they stomp, which mm -hmm. makes them scarier when they're coming towards you. Yes. <laughs> so you, you can be somewhere and just boom, 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 boom. And it, it's, it's, uh, it's really intense. Um, these first ones you don't have to deal with or anything. You can get past them. But yeah. we have to find out more about this hag. Um, she came to life and, uh, and sent these statues at you. Um, so the only person who might be is this uh, Inspector Drought who we knew about before. Yeah. Who's in Aldale, uh, the rich side of town. We're yeah. going to go check in with him. So seeing as we have encountered this hag uh, for the first time and we know of a person who is obsessed with this hag and wants information on her, uh, we're going to go and seek out Drept in this rich side of town, this Aldale, by approaching his window, which is festooned in Hammerite uh, iconography. This is one of the first times I was trying to explore in this side area. Um, there's like a shopkeeper who's being extorted. Because um, earlier you had mentioned the locks have just the eight cardinal directions. It's actually not true. There are two locks in the game that have other directions like at like 2 15 o'clock or something like that <laughs> um and you have to use the mouse or i had yeah. to use the mouse i was playing this with the mouse and i didn't realize you could do that you could adjust the pick with a mouse mm -hmm. so i just thought you couldn't get into this this shop yeah i thought like you needed a key but you don't and there's actually a plot critical door later where that's the case and i got stuck yeah. on it for quite a bit but um staying on the critical path we just had to drops drops house of hags <laughs> and, uh, and dropped it up. Yeah. So you mentioned that you encountered the hag and uh, he explains why he is so obsessed uh, with this seemingly like just it's a fable, right? It's a fairy tale uh, meant to scare children out of being on the streets. Uh, but he was at this orphanage, this Shalebridge cradle um, when he was very young and he saw the hag murder a young girl before his very eyes. Yes. And that leads us into Mission 9, Robbing the Cradle, the pithy <laughs> title that actually means having sex with a young underage person <laughs> for, the, for one of the more terrifying levels in games. Yep. So, so we're heading to the cradle. 
Um, we get there, and the the cool thing that impressed me about the cradle this time is how long it is before you actually see an enemy. Oh yeah, the whole first um, the whole first yeah, half it's of the such level. Such a slow build, and th- <laughs> this game doesn't really do that for a game that isn't about fighting. Like antagonism is really mm-hmm. upfront, you know, but not the case here. Um, <laughs> this is, I think, maybe one of the most written about levels in games. Like, it's yeah. not up there with World 1-1, but, like, there's been a good deal of ink spilled about what exactly this does right and yeah. what it kind of cribs influences from. And if you look at it, the developers, they say, we looked at House of Leaves, we looked at Silent Hill, we looked at Session 9, which, mm. yep, yeah. <laughs> this feels like a trap designed explicitly for me. Yeah, that, that's what it. That's what it's from, and those influences are really, really on the page. So mm-hmm. the, the slow burn is really great because getting in, you know, you can't get in through the front door. You have to actually go down to the cellar. I'm like, okay, it's cellar. There's gonna be spooky zombies down here or something like that. <laughs> because the, the previous thief games just had eventually to start fighting spooky zombies for no reason. Uh-huh. Uh, it's not for no reason, but like eventually, when those games kind of get slightly worse, I think is when you start fighting zombies. Um, and I was like, I just kept expecting that to happen, but it just didn't happen. Um, you know. You, uh, you splash down, you're reading these, like, super spooky notes mm-hmm. about these uh, really realistic-sounding, like, old-timey cures. Yeah. Like, this whole, like, this, like, heat cure, which sounds just like burning. <laughs> like, it just sounds like burning kids. Yeah. Or burn, burning patients. Because the timeline of this place is a little confusing, where it's well, like, and, once and was that's an asylum. That's part of the twist, too, because you're not yeah. sure what it was. There's this young girl here that you ultimately find. You know, like, you're, it's introduced to you as an orphanage, but they're talking about curing people who are mentally uh, infirm. And what you ultimately discover is the idea that this was an orphanage, which is a sad enough place. And then it became uh, an asylum, but there was overlap. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, they... Yeah, you know, they they were zoned for both, um, and you're you're learning about these different this like rogues gallery of patients, which sound like uh, Batman villains. Mm-hmm. Like it's really great. Like they all have these very specific psychoses that are like really interesting. So like mm-hmm. there's this woman who has that keeps this urn of her her dead child, who they call like the mother, or they call Mama or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lady who is uh, uh, like obsessed with birds. Yeah. Um, there's a clock guy who enjoys clocks who is uh, in prison there by mistake, I want to say. Yeah. Like, and then there's like, who is the guy with the mask? Oh, um, he's like the do- king of doctor, none. Yeah, the king of none. <laughs> I love it. So much. Yeah, that's so good. Who wears a wax mask? Uh huh. <laughs> and like, he's and he's so dangerous to have to keep him in seclusion. And he's not the antagonist or anything. Nope. He's just this cool throwaway detail that the, the <laughs> king of none is this little side like. Like, I want to play the game that this was cut from, the other game this was cut from. Well, that's the thing, right? Like, so much care was put into this level. And it's not like the rest of the game, you know, is bad. But, like, this is, like, the kernel of an idea for a completely different game. Exactly. Like, it's almost like there's another game out there that's all this stuff that has one weird stealth level in the middle. (laughs) You know? Like, and then they just, there's a transporter accident. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like, it's, it's just, it's very, you know... It's it's very strange how how good and, and how impressive this is. Like, yeah. not that the rest of the game isn't, but just like this is just <laughs> so cool and full of those throwaway details. And like, yeah. saying this game doesn't get any credit for is that like, they like every mission so far has had these really cool throwaway details, these little short stories. Mm-hmm. It's just it's so cool that this late in the game because this is a pretty late game mission. Yeah, they're still bringing the heat like to this degree. <laughs> Like, or the electroshock therapy or the, the dunking therapy or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Any number of these, uh, any any kind of quackery you want to apply to yeah. this. 
but King, yeah. King no one they have to keep him away from the other patients because he's too smart mm-hmm. like he he will he will talk them into insurrection yeah uh, there's somebody that uh, like and you're just finding these notes like there are no enemies eventually you kind of start letting your guard down uh, and you're finding these notes that are just kind of like uh, the, the the orderly's logs about these there's yeah. there, there's somebody who uh, they <laughs> for good behavior they reward them by letting them set fires mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> very very good yeah and um, so yeah the, this note in the lobby that you get I, I love i'm glad you made a note of it where like they uh they lobotomize patients um mm-hmm. you know but they say like we need to keep the training to a minimum because sometimes you can learn more from failing at it mm-hmm. so you know don't train these people how to lobotomize property properly because we want to find out what happens when you don't yeah like that's that's some that's some mm-hmm. you know what is that uh that camp that nightmare camp from world war ii uh, Auschwitz? Japan. no 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 no, I, hey, I know Auschwitz. The 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 one uh, the, in uh, in Japan, that medical experiment camp that we traded, we forgave all those war crimes in exchange for the data on how oh, much we gave yeah. these people to death. Oh, um, I, I think that was more of a Nazi thing. Like I, I know that the, the 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 freezing and then also like all the experiments with twins. The, the um, camp was definitely in Japan. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, they both could have um, been doing awful things just like that. Yeah. <laughs> and we for, we for, we forgave our fair share of Nazi scientists, too. For sure. The very specific one where, like, mm-hmm. there's, like, this this terrible accord where we're like, nope, you, you guys will get off scot-free in exchange yeah. for your data. Yeah. Um, I can't remember the name of it, but I will mm-hmm. uh, put it in the show notes. Okay, yeah. But it's, like, it's that kind, that kind of shit. Definitely do, because even though it will make me sad and depressed to read it, I can't stop myself from doing it. It's a really sad Wikipedia entry. Yeah. So. Um, but yeah, so you're going through and you're getting these details and you wonder, like, am I going to see these people? Are they going to turn up to be uh, unique enemies? And in this whole outer crater area or uh, sorry, cr- uh, cradle area, uh, there's nothing that can hurt you, like we said. And mm-hmm. it, it's real interesting to read uh, kind of interviews with the designers around this. It was kind of all hands on deck and they have an awesome <laughs> kind of grasp on what horror game design should be, which is establishing safe spaces and then not only violating them, but forcing the player to violate them themselves. Right. Mm-hmm. To, you know, like it's one kind of scary when we when we establish a place as a place where you're not going to get hurt and then bring something into it that's going to hurt you, but compel you by the structure of the game to go and do something that will put you in danger. And that's what it yeah. does after you go up and talk to this Laurel girl, which which even the 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 presentation of Laurel is very cool, <laughs> where because she she's a shadow and she's kind of portrayed as just this bright light that casts the shadow. Mm-hmm. That's there and it looks really evocative. Yeah. Um. So so pretty pretty neat. Yeah. You find uh, this you find this portrait in the attic going to look for a fuse uh, of a girl who looks just like Katika. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, she starts speaking to you and you're kind of drawn to this area. Again, the sound design in this area and this in this level is like bar none. Some of the best I've ever heard. Um, yeah, it's really good. <laughs> drawn. Um, and good. this is the most moral that Garrett ever is yes. because she needs to escape. And you're just like, this is not doing this or not helping her would be too much. Yeah. You know, so she wants you to help her escape and you don't talk about it or anything either. It's kind of no. interesting from looking at his character like he doesn't monologue about it it's it's just like yeah like i'm gonna help this ghost escape this fucked up fucked up place <laughs> yeah it's a little girl like i'm i'm human and even walking into mm-hmm. it it's a little bit uncharacteristic most of the mission briefing text is very uh kind of flippant about these things mm-hmm. like oh i've got this tip and you know he throws in like a little a little james bond kind of one-liner in there and then like but in this one he ends it with an amazingly evocative line saying i'm used to the dark 
but this feels like a house with bad dreams. Yeah. Okay. Fuck yeah. I, Gary, I just came. Yeah. Just, oh. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> not really but you know what i mean I, like oh no like, like, <laughs> um, no but it's like okay cole you like the shining too house of leaves why not let's do it come on it's 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 really strong and it's it's very uh, it's very cole centric strength so it, it saves you from having to replay this for when you eventually do like an outlier entrance on uh oh gary entry on, you have no you know, idea gary yes i recorded video <laughs> Oh, good. Yeah, good. Because yeah, um, put it away. Um, put that, put that ding dong, dingly, dingly, dong dong, back in the pants zone, my friend. Um, um, back in the pants zone. Um, but the idea is, she is trapped here because yeah, this her, place remembers her. Yeah, yeah. So it kind of leads to, like, if it wasn't for all this great sound design and kind of quest design and background detail, this would kind of be a tedious level. Oh, it'd be, it'd be straight up, like, bad adventure game. Like, this is, like, yeah. a, like alone in the dark, go grab a thing and put it in a place. Yeah, like, the actual things you're asked to do aren't that great. But, like, so once you get the power back on and you actually go in, we are introduced to the antagonists of this level, which we can't, like, you know, bypass <laughs> either. We have to talk about these puppet things. <laughs> what are they called? It's not, is it puppet? Uh, puppets, yeah. Yeah, these are puppets um, who are these like kind of nondescript, like burlap looking guys with chains around their wrist and head who constantly. Well, they've got jitter. cages, cages around their wrist and head like yeah. they've got like like light bulb cages around them. And they're, yeah. they're, they're straight up uh, Jacob's laddering is what they're the doing. Jacob's ladder and they cause lights to flicker. Yep. As so they like, get near. <laughs> and like things interfering with electronics is a, is a horror trope that I don't I'm not sick of. Mm hmm. Like, it's the reason why, like, I mean, as much as it's not a popular thing to go to bat for now, like, I will go to bat for at least their early parts of the, the Marble Hornet series because, like, it's genuinely pretty scary. Mm -hmm. And that's why, that's why it's scary is having this, like, Pavlovian – you don't actually see the thing. You just see the electricity flicker or the, you know, things start to glitch out. Yeah. You know it's coming, but they just train you. Like, you don't know which way it's going to take. Mm -hmm. So you feel the fear a little bit early. Yeah. Um, and this does a great job of that. Like, mm -hmm. and it's, it's, it's more immersive. Like you're actually in it and these lock picking scenes where they, you have to get into these cells <laughs> to find, you know, these patients rooms. Like, Hey, I thought I cleared everything out, but these nope. guys have a really wide leash. Like they don't have <laughs> patrol routes the same way that other guards do. No. Uh, so like you can just be picking a lot at lock and then the lights start flickering on and off while you're doing it. Mm -hmm. And it becomes this, like, can I finish picking this lock in time <laughs> to get in the room and hide? Or do I have to, and you know, and then you start hearing them too, like as they, yeah. as, they as they approach. Um, and also, they don't stay dead. They don't. Like, they become you, you. They become environmental hazards. Mm -hmm. They become traps. So you have to be careful where you put any of them down because that now is an impassable area. Yeah. And the level is designed well enough to where you can get everywhere. Like you can still get around that way. Mm -hmm. But sometimes, like, so I would have one of them that I I took down, um, and then have to avoid that area because he'd come back. But then that would force me to go through another area where it was more thick mm -hmm. with, with puppets. Yeah. Like, it's just really, it's really well designed and, and really, really cool. These are great monsters. And so to put this in a little bit of perspective, so this came out in 2004. Um, 
Amnesia wouldn't come out until 2010, but even the like precursor to that, the Penumbra series, that wasn't until tw- uh, 2007. This kind of mm-hmm. like dynamic first person horror was kind of just relegated to stuff that was like shooters, you know, System Shock, Clive Barker's Undying, Realms of the Haunting, you know, something like mm-hmm. that where you had these enemies, you know, interacting with you in real time space. Other first person stuff would be like, you know, D, <laughs> you know, where, yeah. you're, where you're doing these kind of like first person adventure game kind of things. The only like, kind of contemporary for this would be echo night beyond but that's more of a like scary ideas thing than like we're going to take the gameplay and like make you panic as you're trying to accomplish something as a threat bears down on you yeah 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 it's yeah it's it's really cool like it's 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 really good (laughs) um and even when the uh the the puppets aren't causing the lights to flicker um around them uh (laughs) this is a detail that i didn't notice until i read uh, an article about it and then i went back and checked on it because you know i made saves gary you know i made saves um the lights actually breathe they um they dim slightly and they raise back slightly super cool yeah Uh, and as you're going around so you're 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 going into this uh the white ward uh down here in order to uh in order to get uh um, laurel's gown her nightgown which again, this is a little girl who was living in a place with a bunch of uh, a, bu- a bunch of uh, mental patients, and one of them stole it from her, which is ew, gross. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but uh, you're 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 going down here, and uh, you are uh, going into each of these individual cells and seeing the like the physical evidence, like where these people that we've read about have lived, and each of them has kind of their own their their own sound design around them as well. Yeah. 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 Um, and we've read about them at this point, too, but it helps kind of like it ends up becoming a gameplay thing here in a moment. But mm-hmm. it helps complete a picture about them as well. Yeah. Like seeing where they lived helps with with that feeling of like, oh, I, this is where King no one or King none. <laughs> king of King. Yeah. The King, king of, none of none. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so essentially, um, once you get in there and you find her gown and burn it up, um, you can't actually leave yet. Um, is this, is this where you have to go and no, you have to actually walk your blood stain. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. So um, she, she just not nonchalantly, um, introduces this idea that, well, um, the place still remembers me somehow. Like she does, she's discovering this stuff along with you. Um, the, the, the fact that her blood is still on the floor of the attic, um, and it's dried there in the presence and um, the present means that you have to go into the past, go into the memory of the cradle in order to go to the treatment room to get this kind of like dissolution uh, fluid in mm. order to kind of dissolve the, uh, the, the, the blood stain and get rid of her right again, playing with this, with this time as well. And in order and- to go into the, go into the memory, you have to find the toys or artifacts from these different patients and put them in their preferred place. Yeah. And you find this out from looking at, you know, the, these diaries and the, these audio logs and letters and stuff where it's like, hey, you know, this person, uh, the only thing that seemed to calm this person down was bringing their daughter to the the lobby to, to you know, mm-hmm. feed her or what have you. Yeah. Um, things like that. This person used so, their tinderbox to light fires in the fireplace. Exactly. <laughs> and this is um, this kind of function um, as because when you go back in the past, you can't die. Um, so you uh, if you get caught, it just sends you back to the present. Mm hmm. So you, uh, you know, at this point, these kind of things function as these keys to teleport you to different places in the past and as kind of just this thing you have to go through if you happen to to die in the past. You have yes. to find a new 
find a new uh, artifact and bring it back. Do you know if you can run out? Can you reuse any of the artifacts? No, you can't reuse them. They lose their power after you do that. Okay. So you have uh, something along the lines of like nine or eight chances. Um, and when you run out of them, you have to go back into the past as yourself, which means that uh, uh, if you die in the game, you die in real life. Ah, yes. My favorite <laughs> thing about my favorite rule, um, even though you eventually do that anyway, because oh, yeah. when you go up to the uh, the nursery tower to uh, or go up to the attic to scrub the blood zane, um, you do that. But eventually you try to leave and you can't actually leave. <laughs> yep. The, um, the cradle has got you. So you go down in this case, spooky cage in the basement and lock mm -hmm. yourself in to go back in the past, which is nice because you can fight back finally. <laughs> um, but this whole idea is that you have to, uh, you have to kill yourself in the past. You have to, or you have to jump out the window Yeah, and uh, you'll end up out in real life. But before you go out, you actually can find out a little bit more about the hag. G Gary, we so, haven't talked about the staff members at all. Oh yeah. The yeah. staff members so in the past. These guys are real great too. <laughs> when, yeah. you, when you go into the past, uh, you don't have the puppets coming after you actually have uh, these monsters, which are representing the memory of the staff. However, they are completely featureless uh, black silhouettes. So as they come after you and they don't have to attack you, all they have to do is, is touch you in order to, like, drop you back into the present day. They look like, um, I mean, they look like unfinished assets. They look like Unity, you know, <laughs> creatures without. Yeah, they, without they, a, they a, didn't uh, bring in their textures. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it's really effective. Mm -hmm. You know, like, it, it just it's this weird because nothing in this game is that surreal. And, like, we're about to meet the hag, which is like their version of, like, is almost a really cool Lovecraftian monster if it talks a little bit different. <laughs> um, you know. Like, nothing in the game looks that weird and plays with the medium that much. Mm -hmm. Like, having this intentionally untextured model mm -hmm. um, feels like something that works really well in video games. Like, it yeah. uses the language of video games. Like, that's something we've mm -hmm. all seen in glitches to to evoke this kind of weird otherworldness or discomfort. Yeah. And they're really strong, too. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that the guys with the lights, the, the light gimmick just works for me a lot better. Mm -hmm. Like, I like that an awful lot. Um, these guys are great too, though. They packed a lot of, uh, you know, real memorable, non reused antagonists in this very short space. Yeah. Um, and, and it's wonderful. Like when you go up to the nursery tower, uh, to get her diary, which is another one of these things, you read about the hag, um, and, uh, and the, and this murder, uh, that was there. And it's super callous. Like, well, fortunately, this girl doesn't have any family. Otherwise, they would hassle us. But, um, it's, yeah. it's all the information that you need in order to, uh, find out where she ultimately is, uh, kind of bunking up. Um, and I love the way that you exit this. So you alluded to the idea that you are uh, uh, kind of faking suicide uh, to get out of here, to convince the, the, the cradle that you are dead by dying in the past, uh, not to a keeper or not to a not to a staff member. So you can kind of snap back to real life outside mm -hmm. and uh, you're sneaking past them. But like the only way out uh, through this tower is to run past basically a boardroom full of these guys as the building is on fire. Yeah, and so you just yeah. have to and like good. Or it does that thing where, like, they're not reacting to the building being on fire. Mm -hmm. So that whole scene is really surreal when you come up on that table, this boardroom table, them all, like, chatting and enjoying themselves, these textureless <laughs> models in a burning building. Like, it is just, like, it's really sublimely surreal. Yeah. Yeah. As you, like, run and jump out of the window like Helen Hunt in a PSA. Like... Yeah, you and you have to, too, because you uh -huh. can't, uh, these guys don't follow the same distraction rules. Mm-hmm. Like I was trying to like lure them away and it didn't really work. Nope. So I just ended up making it run for it. Yeah. Um, which is what I'm going to do for the rest of the game for a lot of sections. <laughs> yep. Um, but yeah, uh, it, it is, uh, it was, it's really great. And mm -hmm. then you jump out and you just like, you're like, Whoa, that was weird. Back to the prophecy. <laughs> yeah, you know, like, yeah, it's like, like even, even no. Garrett feels like it's like, Oh, I just stepped out of a different game. <laughs> yep. You know? 
yeah it's so like strange. just looking back at the history like I, I pulled up my hex crank list just to just to see if there was anything that kind of like presaged this and like i pretty much gave the whole list there before but like this laid so much groundwork and like yeah. it pulled from exactly the right sources to make it uh, like not just like tailored for me but like just this very specific kind of horror that like played with space and used the <laughs> used kind of the unpredictable nature of the game so much to its benefit like this is a tentpole gary yeah it's really great it's really special it's it's not a coincidence that the first time i tried to play this i stopped like shortly after this. <laughs> me too i thought there because was so it's... much more game after it <laughs> Yeah, it's it's like, and there's some stuff that happens later, and it, again, it's not particularly weak. It just doesn't hit this strength. Mm -hmm. And you, I'm so used to seeing games peak early. Yeah, you know, and to have this like peak three fourths of the way through the game <laughs> is just really kind of refreshing to have this to look forward to. Yeah, you know, and and know this was coming. Like, it's it's really really special. Yeah, very very special. God damn. <laughs> <laughs> like i was about to say i wish there was a way you could just jump in and play this and like you're not going to get like it is you're just going to get bits and pieces of this everywhere but like it really is you are it's like a cameo of a of like a completely different game in the middle of this otherwise really good game yes yeah yeah so it, it's it's worth the price of admission alone mm -hmm. you know like if, if anything we've said makes it sound like this is something you might be into Mm -hmm. um, know that you have one of the best like horror levels in gaming to look yeah. forward to, and you have like, like and, and, twelve hours of a good stealth game in front of it. That's a long. That's a lot to ask. That's totally. like saying, "Hey, man, listen. Season four of The Wire is amazing." Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, it's a but it, it you know getting to season four is not hard either. Right, like it's yeah. still really really good. Uh -huh. The um yeah, and the thing too when people talk about the earlier entries in the series, like even the parts as I mentioned, the the parts where they kind of leaned into horror and those those games uh, mm -hmm. always felt really flat for me mm -hmm. like those sections are not good yeah you know the zombie sections of thief one are the worst parts of the game mm -hmm. as opposed to being the best parts of the game in, in thief three yeah and the, um, like the closest like uh kind of analog to that in thief two is the automatons which behave in a very similar way from what i can remember mm -hmm. which is just these are these these implacable enemies uh that you have to take special um kind of uh measures to defeat but like it's never as satisfying as this purely environmental thing well i don't want to uh to you know uh influence your gaming decisions too much but mm -hmm. um, i have a buddy who was talking about the remake of this when i was tweeting about shale big shale bridge cradle and she said that the remake it's the best part of the remake as well there's like a callback to this yes there is and that it's like crazy super effective hmm. so that's something i want to check out the re i, I want to say that the re the remake is really short too i wonder like yeah. if, they, if they put that earlier like that would be like what like a lazy saturday morning worth of gaming probably to get to that yeah at least get to the the shale bridge part and see if the rest of it makes you feel like you know continuing to play yeah so yeah, I, I've got to see, you know, anything that's going to name check this. Like, it's, it reminds me, it's such an interesting uh, comparison, too, with System Shock 2, mm -hmm. which is, as opposed to having one scary level, it had, a, like, a <laughs> low level of horror mm -hmm. over a kind of a mediocre game um, throughout the whole thing. And, uh, I mean, not like, you know, I liked System Shock 2, but, like, there were a lot of problems with it. Mm -hmm. um, but having it concentrated like this makes it have a bigger impact. Yeah. You know, like, there, there are scary things throughout all of System Shock 2 even though the game is not necessarily, you know, it's about a lot of other things as well. Yeah. This just like, just having this one very scary part, like, mm -hmm. I don't know. It's very, it's just very effective. I, mean, I don't have anything to say other than that's really I good. Mean, it's effective it in a way. Good. It just makes an interesting uh, comparison with System Shock 2 mm -hmm. and how that game trafficked in, in horror as well. Yeah. I mean, so Tone Whiplash is a thing. 
right? Like yeah. there's a way to do it good and then there's a way to do it bad. Um, but those quick changes into something else, if you do it right, can completely cast the rest of everything else in a different light, even as this other thing stands above it. Like, I don't think that the rest of this game is diminished for how good this is. Like, I don't wish the entire game was Shellbridge Cradle, especially not, mm -hmm. you know, for this era, right? Like, that would have been a little bit tedious, right? But as it stands, it's two hours of really good entertainment. So, like, totally. I'm 100% down. Um, but yeah, like, I think that, you know, the fact that this is here, it could be seen as like, well, that's very weird design, but like, I don't know, horror games are kind of the best when they're really weird. And, yeah. you know, the fact that they had this idea and committed to it so fully to make something that felt like, I don't know, a complete work within, uh, what is a pretty complete work. I don't know, like, you could say it's overdeveloped or whatever, but, like, we have something amazing because they decided to just buy in 100%. Commitments are really good. Yeah. That's the phrase, you know? Yeah. Is it just uh, an amazing amount of care and commitment to this, this one little thing? And, like, it, it that care and commitment is in other places as well. Mm -hmm. But I think it's probably the difference between, again, like, $10 and $9. Like, <laughs> you know, they, they, they did a great job on both. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> i love it so goddamn much it's really good <laughs> um anywho we still, we still have uh we have like you know we have a couple levels left mm -hmm. so we get out and garrett's like whoa and then uh <laughs> So now we know where Gamal is. We have this little miniature level mm -hmm. um, to to find her place in the basement, yeah, uh, or in the uh, the sewers rather. Mm -hmm. um, sewers, uh, the the locks, the something like that. Yeah, like the, 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 the canals. Yeah, her and... mansion <laughs> under there, which is really strange. <laughs> I know, right? Um, and you only get to this after you uh, follow Laurel's uh, ghost, her specter, and she keeps casting that little girl shadow, uh, but to her resting place where uh, uh, Gamel buried her in the catacombs underneath uh, the the Hammerite Fort. And, um, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So she asks you, like, you, you, you still got a vial of her blood. It's, you know, been, you know, sent out through the, uh, through the uh, sewer tunnel. And you place it there, and this breaks the binding around Gamel um, as she uh, uh, is in the Keeper compound. And her new little girl uh, skin <laughs> that she is wearing uh, wears off. She is revealed to be this horrible monstrosity, this, uh, the, the, this Lisa Trevor of uh, collection of faces um uh in the middle of this right now and uh we find out kind of the motivating factor here the macguffin is that she is within reach of this final glyph and she needs these artifacts in order to get it and so you are um kind of directed to go into her home in these canals to recover these uh artifacts and also learn more about her plan yeah and 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 she's really as a as a villain like she's pretty cool like she uses, she has force powers. She can like she chokes somebody by levitating them. I want to say, mm -hmm. um, and she looks really neat. Like she's made up of faces. She has teeth where teeth what not be be <laughs> where, 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 where they, they ought not be. Um, there we go. Stuff. That's what I wanted to say. But her voice and her voice acting is somewhat cool in that she like rephrases things constantly in the middle of sentences. Mm -hmm. But she's also like those meddling kids. Like she's a little bit too like uh, understandable motivation. 
You know, like I would have mm-hmm. liked to have seen something that is this like otherworldly, especially right after Shalebridge, be a little bit more um, incomprehensibly scary. Yeah. As opposed to boogeyman type <laughs> scary that, that she actually is. Yeah. Um, so she's a good antagonist. And like essentially and she's not like I was expecting her origin to be in the cradle. Like, oh, she's one of the girls from the orphanage or something mm-hmm. like that. But she's just a boogeyman. Like she is like, what if the boogeyman was real? Mm-hmm. You know, she was around then. Um, so. You know, she makes an interesting antagonist to this, but it does it plays weirdly in the themes of the series. And it's not yeah. perfect. No, you know, it's it's like she's not perfect as an antagonist. She's she's satisfying to a degree. Um, yeah, for sure. But you go to her place; it's very well kept. You know, she's yeah, got she, these yeah, statue she keeps butlers. Nice house. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, fine and fresh and um, <laughs> dust and clean and wipe and dust and clean <laughs> and, <laughs> and serve and serve. Um, it's actually i think this is a good uh a good level um mm-hmm. this last one it's the last like miniature level like the last uh kind of manageable one mm-hmm. um going through a house where you're dealing with these statues to get this this glyph that actually allows you to uh, unmake them the glyph of unbinding mm-hmm. um which is hidden and that allows you to uh if you hit the the statues in the back of the head with the sap specifically they will they will collapse and die yeah um, and but, you get you, you get know. this right after you meet up with Artemis and you reveal that the final glyph is assembled by putting these artifacts in certain places around the city. Again, like we yes. were talking about, if only it was an arrow or a smiley face. In this case, exactly. it's a glyph. <laughs> yes. So it actually is that. It just doesn't point to, to Garrett. <laughs> it points to uh, this final final it, glyph. It, it kind of uh, does. <laughs> it kind of does. Yeah, as the chosen one. Um, it doesn't point necessarily to his house as the as the the perpetrator of daily crime time. But, um, <laughs> oh um, man. Yeah. So we had to get all these items, including one of them that we stole earlier, an optional <laughs> item from, uh, from the pagans, which is kind of cool. And you can actually, um, you can keep this if you're, if you're game in the system, uh-huh. but the game will try to automatically sell it. When you click sell all, uh-huh. um, you'll try to, it'll try to sell this thing and we'll, and we'll fuck it up. So you have to really try to keep it. Yep. But well, you it's... can actually save yourself one little, you know, errand. Yeah, it's in, in for a penny and for a pound. It's not that inconvenient to go get this one. No, not not at all. It's just this weird little, you know, developer just going on the TV tropes mm-hmm. thing. Like developers thought of everything. Yeah, yeah. Kind of thing. Um yeah. but yeah, let's it's still life with Blackjack, which is the <laughs> uh, the heist the museum. You know, you go through it and it's just like their museum's thief proof. I bet you it's actually not. You know, it's, like a, it's so tonally crazy. Like I, I appreciate it as like it, it's the final level from a different game, or it's a final level from the game this game started as, but not the it, game this what, like exactly to, like, like jutes towards. It, that's exactly what it is. This is yeah. this is this makes sense as the final level for the game this game started as. Like it is. <laughs> You know, denser guard cover. The guards are smarter. It's more complicated. You have to do more complicated things to get the treasures. It's mm-hmm. like the big take. Yeah. And it's like it's it makes so much sense as the big take and makes so little sense as like the final <laughs> thing in this world destroying prophecy as like pretty much the immediate follow up to the Shellbridge Cradle and also the den of all statues. <laughs> yeah. The, yeah. The den of haunt is it's very weird. It's, it's, it's a real tonal whiplash thing. It's still like I still like this as a level. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Um, like it's, you know, it's, it's a big like intricate machine, you know, it's also like a like a real like just uh, Pavlovian like Candyland. Oh, you, God. Yeah. You, there's so much treasure here and you're not going to be able to use it like, <laughs> yeah. after this. You're heading to the end game. So like there's no point in having all this treasure. Yeah. But everything is stealable here like so many high value items actually i used all of this to <laughs> well, well we'll talk about it but i used the proceeds from this very wisely in the end game mm. 
yeah um but uh but no definitely like everything is shiny everything like you're gonna take it like i'm just picturing him it's like the thomas crown affair <laughs> like he's just c- cutting all of these paintings out and like rolling them up and putting them in his back pocket the thomas katamari katamari affair <laughs> yep um, and like i stopped even paying attention to the uh to the special loot oh at yeah. this point because like, like i just I'm, I'm just gonna get everything anything anything that shines i'm gonna get i i anything that shines i was gonna get and i was also about done with it oh yeah like at this point like i really like this game but i it goes on a little long and there's something about uh stealth for a sustained amount of time like this mm-hmm. where like this is the longest stealth game i've ever played yeah um i want to say and it, mm-hmm. it is uh year three Oh, I guess, but yeah. I mean, Metal Gear 3 breaks it up with a lot of boss fights and stuff, though. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, like, the, the sustained stealth. Yeah. Right? Like, it's that sustained tension. I haven't played Alien Isolation, and part of me feels like it may not be my thing just because of sustained tension mm-hmm. being too much for me. And that game seems like that's all it does. Or that that, that, that sounds dismissive. Like, it sounds like it does it really well. Yeah. But the point of that game is to feel tense for the entire time you're playing it. Yeah. You know, and that might be a little bit too much for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I even got a little bit of this where I'm just like, boy, I'm kind of sick of feeling tense. Like, yeah, it is. You know, I, I need release. I you're... can't edge for 20 hours. <laughs> and I'm just... Who am I staying? No, you're describing yeah. <laughs> how I feel about uh, Res- sorry, Resident Evil 4. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, man. Interesting. We're going to do that <laughs> Resident Evil 4 episode at some point, And it's going to be interesting because I don't have that feeling about Resident Evil 4 at all. Huh. Like, did it be, because it, well, it's not like, is it just what's the tension? Oh, it's just fat- it's fatiguing. Like, okay. like, like, like the tension is always scrounging for resources and always having to aim and always like, it is a very satisfying loop that you have to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but it is very demanding of your attention as you go along. And I think that, uh, that game is, uh, one and a half acts too long. Hmm. Cause like having to aim is a real video game thing to do. Oh, I know. I know. Like, yeah, <laughs> um, I just, like, I, I just think it's, it's, it's very, uh, it, it keeps that tension up and it's very, uh, it, it's, it's kind of always in your face. Mm. Yeah. yeah i remember that game being well paced but mm. i would have to i'd have to play it again yeah um which you know hopefully we'll do sometime yeah um i mean i know i will do it sometime like mm-hmm. eventually i'll stop putting that in polls and just be like cool i really <laughs> we're gonna do, do it Resident yeah for like mm-hmm. um i mean it's not like people don't want like people have asked for it so it's yeah, not like, like people want it yeah yeah it wouldn't just be for me mm-hmm. um but and for you i imagine you have enough things to say about it even if you don't, oh god you yeah know, like for, yeah. For, for as much as i give it shit for being too long like i still love that game <laughs> like, yeah, it's... I mean, like the 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 opening village of that game is as strong a level as anything we've done yeah like that opening village scene is so good yeah and so like important and and, and just <laughs> fantastic so yeah the um no like I, I would even say like the first the third to half of that game is pretty much perfect like yeah it is perfect on the order of like shadow of the colossus yeah Anywho, um, this, this museum we spent—you spend a lot of time there. We're not going to spend that much time on it because we've figured all this stuff out now. Like there yep. are fewer short stories. Like there's not as many players in this. There's like a little bit with the curator and like is he up to something? But mm-hmm. at this point, it all seems kind of ridiculous because another reason why this level feels so out of nowhere is because of this urgency of the plot. Yeah, you know, it just feels like I should just be like, "Hey, museum, can I borrow these things?" Because you know, <laughs> this, the world's going to end. You know, like this urgent, like the the plot urgency and all the the prophecy stuff and the grand stuff is interfering with the the moment to moment kind of cut purseness of the gameplay mm-hmm. and at odds with it. Yeah. But eventually, you get all the items, including this eye, which is kind of the marquee item that you have to get. Um, <laughs> well, that it talks to you. It talks to you because you have history. Like in the first game, you had to sacrifice your own eye to kind of like power this thing, this gem, and give it uh, give it the magic that it needed to accomplish your goal in that game. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and that's why you have this mechanical eye, you know, that you, you know, have had for the, you know, this game and the previous one. Um, and it is, uh, again, talking to you like a golem. Yep. <laughs> um, calls you the small man and says, ooh, boy, I'm going to come for your second one here soon. Yeah, I like that. Like, you know, do you want to re- reunite your eyes um, yeah. from the perspective of an eye outside of your body? <laughs> um, but the big thing also, excuse me, uh, the big thing also is a security system that you have to, uh, to unmake or, yeah. turn, you know, take down. But Just find and, the and, switch. And, and, like, it's a big level. Uh, Finding the switch is hard, but. Yeah. It's a huge level. And if you're playing on normal difficulty, um, the amount of optional loot you have to get, there's like a whole wings of this library you don't have to, or this museum you don't have to explore. Yeah. Like, it's so big. Like, I didn't end up doing all of it because I just like, again, I was just. Uh, trying to get to the end mm-hmm. because uh, partly because I was kind of ready to be done playing, but also because oh, of yeah. uh, the urgency. <laughs> no, I was playing uh, up to uh, gosh, like one o'clock last night as when we're recording. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like the, the, the end of this game goes on for so fucking long, Gary. It goes on for a while. Yeah. Um, yeah. But eventually you get all the items and you have to put them in the spots. Mm-hmm. Um, so as, as you're leaving um, Artemis shows up and, uh, and says like, Hey, give me the artifact. <laughs> come on i know uh, i told you to meet me tomorrow in a completely different place but we gotta we gotta wait artemis why does it sound like you have two voices going at once exactly and then and then uh creepy mask orlin shows up (laughs) and uh and says hey uh you know we don't need the keepers anymore like the keepers have outlived their purpose Mm -hmm. um you know and i i know what we told you to destroy that glyph you shouldn't because it's the only thing that can kill the and then (laughs) uh is killed as artemis turns into gamel Mm-hmm. and uh and takes his form yeah and now it's it's this weird kind of test of how like i kind of like this as an idea of mm-hmm. testing how well you know the city oh yeah because you've spent all this time in the city they just introduced the city and now you have these uh five artifacts you have to put in five different places yeah that um, mostly and, correspond with all the areas that you've been to yep and uh you know all hell is breaking loose um there are statues everywhere they're fighting the guards <laughs> and near any of these places the hag is going to be there yeah like the hag can teleport around um, but the hag ends up not being that much more difficult to sneak around than anything else. Mm-hmm. Like there aren't very many, uh, things that actually detect you differently or interact with you that differently right. in this game, other than the statues being immortal. And, uh, I guess, you know, the hag being immortal, mm-hmm. but, uh, you know, so it, the hag is there and every time you see her, like she hurts, she hits really hard if she sees you. Mm-hmm. Um, but whenever you see her, it's just, it's kind of standard sneaking, yeah. you know, to get through this area. Yeah, I like the idea of this a lot, like just the idea that this place that you have been kind of treating as, you know, the the, the space in between um, becomes mm-hmm. the final level. That is that, yeah. that that is a pretty cool payoff. I don't I, think mi- it's cool I don't really mind how easy Gamel is here again, maybe because I was no, kinda, no, no. I was kind of like a boss it. fight would have been stupid. Like oh, you couldn't have done like a boss fight in this game. Like yeah. this is this close to this kind of final exam on how well you know the city and how to mm-hmm. get through it is the boss fight part. Oh yeah. I love like, that. I like that too. It just kind of takes some of the threat away from her. Mm-hmm. It's just, I, I see it as part of that weird, uh, dissonance between the world shattering cosmic monster stuff and the <laughs> cut purse stuff. Yeah. You know, is that you're doing a cut purse ending up against the cosmic monster Yeah, and the cosmic monster doesn't seem any more smart than a guard, mm-hmm. you know, or more dangerous. Yeah. So it's like there's a little bit of a dissonance there, but it's not that big a deal. Yeah. Um, but this is also yeah. testing your uh, your familiarity with uh, the landmarks. So like you could have seen all of these shrines uh, that you're supposed to go to these uh, memorial places, um, but uh, otherwise you have to find them and uh, uh, place these amidst the chaos. Yeah, they show up on your map mercifully. Oh, nice. So 
each one each one is on your map not as like a marker but like they were on your map this whole time hmm. there's a little symbol that that symbolizes a, a shrine or a marker or whatever historical marker i didn't notice that yeah nice indeed yeah but you go and you place the last one uh, assuming that you survived this is where i uh ended up using my take from this last mission uh to uh to fund my flashbangs and potions <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. I, I had done that before the museum mm. and had had enough left over. I to did make not. This work. Yeah, it's yeah. I mean, the museum can be really taxing. I just didn't the idea of getting to my fence uh-huh. and then getting to a place to buy things seemed exhausting <laughs> to me. So I, I just, uh, yeah. you know, made it made it work like I had to reload a couple of times. Oh, yeah. So I definitely got uh, got killed. Yep. on my way here but you place this last uh this last artifact you place the eye and the fountain outside of your apartment again so conveniently and mm-hmm. uh this geyser of light erupts uh up from this artifact and all of the others and creates this constellation in the sky and uh you know the the keeper library appears you can see it this key glyph appears on your hand and uh, there's this old woman like the, the ending cutscene to this is kind of weirdly <laughs> abstract Oh yeah. Um, then it cuts to an. It's like a music video. Then it cuts to an old woman who's crying as these keepers descend on her. Oh, it's the hag. She, it's it's definitely no. I know it's that. I know. It's okay. The hag. <laughs> All right. Um, I'm just saying that it's like it's not like uh, explicit. It's kind of flashes from like scene to scene. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of impressionistic. Is is my point? Yeah. Um, you know, as opposed to having a voiceover that's like, and then the hag lost her powers, <laughs> and then the keeper library. Like it's it just kind of uh, shows you. So the hag is saying like she's she's aged rapidly. Mm-hmm. And uh, and she's Be- ruined because all the glyphs that were keeping her alive are gone. Like I love yep. that. That's a great detail. Yep, exactly. Um, and, and the ones that are animating the statues. That's why the statues freeze. Mm-hmm. Um, the keepers, you know, freak out. Um, you know, because they're they they no longer have their magic, except for you. You have the magic on your hand. <laughs> and uh, and and it ends with this little like ellipses at the end, where uh, this little girl is trying to pick, pickpocket from you, and uh, and you capture her hand and say you have talent. Uh, one does not easily see a keeper, especially one does not wish to be seen, which are the first words said to Garrett in the first game, I think. Yep. Um, so the the circle continues, which is great. And uh, yep, you are now the you're now going to be the keeper, which are now just going to like steal shit and stab guys in the neck. I guess. <laughs> yep. It's gonna, it's Under your leadership, things are going to get weird. <laughs> yeah, like, like the, the chronicles of neck stabbing. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I guess the four kind of picks up on that relationship. Like, there's a young girl sidekick, but mm-hmm. apparently, it's not very well developed. Um, Thief Four. Thief. I don't. Uh, yeah, but I just the the the, the 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 remake. Um, people who are listening Sometimes this far. Sometimes it has four in the title. I know. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like the Thief instead of the. Uh, there's no A in Thief. Yeah, it's really weird. <laughs> yeah. Fourth. Yeah. Thief. Thief. <laughs> um, but um. But no. The I don't. I don't suppose people are going to be like angry about spoilers about a game they are dead set against playing because it ruined a series they like. Um, it's actually like a distant uh, sequel. Um, oh, okay. because they talk about Garrett being uh, kind of like the predecessor, like who you are playing as is like a long lost descendant of the sneak thief, like this, oh, okay. uh, this, this legendary figure. And you are kind of re- retracing his steps. It's probably even if it is a, a spoiler, it's probably something, you know, revealed <laughs> relatively quickly. And it's like, like, it's in the, a, like a, from, from what I've read, it's like in the first third of the game. Like, yeah. well, like when, when you get to it and honestly, like at this point, anybody who was like dead set against playing it for anything other than a time reason like me might actually be more drawn towards playing it. If there is an explicit connection between them and, yeah. uh, and the sure. continuity. So that's yeah, not going to hurt. But yeah, that's uh, that's Deadly Shadows. Uh huh. 
That's the um, yeah. It's 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 really good. Like this is a good game that I enjoyed my time with. Mm-hmm. It outstayed its welcome a little bit, um, but it's like the core mechanic. The loop is actually really good. Yeah, you know the the hanging out behind it. We didn't spend very much time talking about this because there's not that much to talk about with it. But like the hanging out behind a corner, waiting for a guard to pass, mm-hmm. you know, knocking out and hiding his body just in time thing is really <laughs> consistently thrilling and fun. And you yeah. do that for a lot of this game. Like the game does a good job of presenting that scenario again and again in a fresh ways for like most of its runtime. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, again, it's that it's that thirty second loop, and the way they design the spaces, and the way they space out the enemies. Like by the time you get to the museum, that is incredibly hard to do because, like, eventually the guards start to figure out, oh, there should be a guard here, but there's not. So it's their absence that's tipping them off anyway. Like it, yeah. the the game is getting smarter along with you uh, in a very satisfying way that is not like made explicit. Like Garrett doesn't say, "Oh boy, I better be careful now." Like this just happens in this. I hate this word, emergent way, um, that just feels understated. And so much of this game is understated in that way. Um, yeah. I wish it was much shorter. Like, you texted me and said, yeah, it's six hours too long. That's totally the case. That probably didn't come through in the recording. Usually when something is a slog, like, you can hear it in our voices, and we're like, moving on, moving on, moving on. But the fact that it had this up, <laughs> this upswell of uh of of goodwill from shellbridge cradle i think buoyed us and even buoyed me through kind of like the rest of the game after this which again that final encounter as you're you know going through the entire city that is a cool thing i just kind of wish there wasn't as much kind of like flab to it in the middle it's really yeah that's what it is it's hard to think of like exactly what could be cut you know there are a couple of like specific missions where it's like this didn't need to be there Mm -hmm. um you know it's like i didn't really need the sunken citadel you know like something like that like because it's not actually that hard to cut out specific missions, but it's the <laughs> middle. It's not like it's not a, a you know sitting in a bathtub while the water slowly drains like most <laughs> games are too long are. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like there are high points throughout, and like something this series or this game doesn't get any credit for is like the really kind of clever uh, writing in the margins, which like mm-hmm. all of those little side stories and stuff were, like stayed consistently worth reading the entire game. You know, like yeah. finding a little log or something like that was always like entertaining and, and cool for like the whole game, like. It just it just took too long. And mm-hmm. for me, it wasn't so much just the flab, which was part of it. It was just me playing a stealth game that was this long with this kind of stealth. Like, the the, the ways that they try to uh, break up the stealth stuff didn't always work for me. Yeah. But they did it very rarely, mm-hmm. you know? So, like, it, it could have been worse. They could have added, like, an action level or something like that. Like, it could have been, you know, which is what they did in the earlier ones where there are more things you had to fight more often. Yeah. Um, it feels like, at least when I played them, mm-hmm. um, they didn't do that too much. Um, I, and I guess like, I, I, get, I could take that back. It's not really fair for me to say the things they did to break it up didn't work for me because Shalebridge did work for me. But it wouldn't have if it wasn't so. If that, like, imagine doing those same tasks and just have it being thief themed mm-hmm. or like you were just stealing mystic artifacts from a keeper thing, then that would have felt excruciating. <sighs> yeah, yeah. You know, like like that. Did, it didn't work for me from a gameplay perspective. Mm-hmm. It's just they, they put all of their band-aids, like all of their <laughs> atmosphere you know, uh, uh, scenario design kind of band-aids mm-hmm. over the weakest part of the game gameplay-wise. Yeah. And it worked. Like, they successfully got away with something, <laughs> it feels like. Yeah. You know, so, like, a couple missions could have been cut, and it's hard for me to play a stealth game for 20 hours mm-hmm. and just do that guard loop and be tense and, and hiding out for 20 hours. It's also the thing, the things that make the beginning of it so good, that city stuff and that downtime, do become a nuisance when the stakes get higher. Yeah. And making my way like, oh, I'd read like, okay, I need to go to the docks now. 
<laughs> you know, <laughs> you gotta go like, through like five wards of the city to get there. Yeah, to get to the like, it almost felt like it needed a fast travel, which is kind of ridiculous. But like, it you know, it wouldn't it wouldn't have broke my immersion that much to like start me closer to places after I left a mission. Mm-hmm. You know, and just like hand wave that Garrett walk there. Yeah. But otherwise, like, really, really good. Like, I think mm-hmm. that this is, for this kind of, of stealth game, like, I think this is uh, uh, well worth your time yeah. and, and fun to play. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. Um, what's next? What's next, cool? Gary, coming up next is Dragon Quest Heroes Rocket Slime. The cutest game <laughs> that we've ever done. Dear God, Gary. <laughs> it's it's cuter than Yoshi's Island. It. Yep. Like, it is, it is, it is consistently cute and charming. The entire runtime. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, this is av- available for DS. You can get it for, you know, uh, uh, n- not a less than $10 sum, but not a greater than 20 or $30 sum on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's readily available. I encourage people to do it. I'm about halfway through it right now. Um, and boy, oh boy, this is going to be a fun, cute episode. I was really happy that that we finally did this too because mm-hmm. I mean I think we mentioned on the thing but my my literal spit take when I found out that you hadn't played this um, <laughs> no, it, was, it, it was it was on uh, something awful where it's like oh yeah I've never played this and you, like you just like you looked at me like I had crabs crawling out of my ears or something <laughs> like, <laughs> like yeah I just it, it is I was really surprised because this well, is this is a favorite yeah well I mean we've yeah. been doing the show for like four and a half years now and you brought it up and I was like huh I I trust his recommendation I'd like to play this but we're gonna do it for the show so I'm gonna save it. See, it's funny because I I just assumed that I brought it up and you're just like yeah I just assumed that you had played it and didn't no. like it or something no I was just down um, at like yeah. <laughs> any apathy you, you you caught from me was just kind of like yep you know I've heard pretty cool things about this I'm not that invested no. in Dragon Quest but it seems cool so yeah let's do it that's the thing too is like I'm not either but I love this oh yeah like it, it caches it like I imagine if I wasn't a Dragon Quest this would be so much more powerful but like. Mm-hmm. Even the, the the small amounts of like affection I have from playing the the NES game a lot and mm-hmm. and liking eight and and um, this cashes it on in a really great way. Mm-hmm. So it's it's so goddamn cute and <laughs> it is uh, it's really fun. Yeah. So uh, I'm looking forward to that. I I've already beat it because I've been trying to get ahead to play the game after that, which is our big winter uh, Western RPG. Yeah. Which is Fallout Three. <laughs> um, the uh, so we're doing this uh, similar to Morrowind in that we're splitting things up. Um, so imagine uh, one episode. On the main quest, one episode on a side quest where Cole and I have split the side quest, and that includes a significant location yeah, based like things. Yeah, so that includes and vaults and and then I'm not going to not do the Dunwich building, so like we can both <laughs> do that. Yeah. Um, and then uh, splitting the DLCs actually. So this mm-hmm. is the first time we've covered the DLCs with the with the game, but um, I was ready to revisit them, and also uh, they're worth talking about. Yeah. So, so uh, that'll and, be... and there's two good ones and two bad ones. So we got to uh, each take a good one, and or actually, yeah, each take a, a media, each take like a B one, uh-huh. each take a, a D one, and then both of us play the A plus one. Yep. So yeah. yeah, so that'll be three episodes in a row, um, three weekly episodes, and then a, a an extra episode. We already have a lot of responses. Don't let the dis- don't let that discourage you from writing in. Um, mm-hmm. So that is at duckfeed.tv slash contact if you want to do that. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I've been enjoying my time with it so far. Me too. In, uh, in my restart, so yeah, it is. It is still a still a good game for as much as I like New Vegas better. Like, mm-hmm. it is still really really fun. Yeah. Um, and then after that, we haven't talked about it. I don't yes, think. Yes, we have. Oh, oh yeah, we have. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, so after yeah. that, uh, we are going to be playing Mega Man Legends. Indeed. Yep. Yes, and we will we will see. This is the game I'm most scared of not holding up for me. We shall see. I'm trying not to be negative about it. Mm-hmm. I, I want I go into it like it. I want to like it. Mm-hmm. I am just scared about playing a first person, you know, or a, 
uh, you know, first person action game or third person action game with a controller from that era. Mm-hmm. So we shall I, see. I've gone back and played it. It holds up as long as you play it on the PS3. Dear God, don't play it on the Vita. Okay. Yeah. Wait, is it because of the dual analog? Yes. Uh, okay. do, do, uh, it's not so much dual analog, but dual um, uh, shoulder buttons. Okay. Um, could be because the shoulder buttons. Yeah, no you matter... turn with your goddamn shoulder. No, right? you uh, turn it to strafe. Okay. Turn it to strafe, okay. man. Come on. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's the default, but it doesn't have to be. Okay. Yep. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, so at the worst scenario, this is going to be uh, an inverse Bashi or sorry, uh, Brave Fencer Masashi. Yeah, um, that, that, that's that's half what I'm expecting. Yeah. Um, how long is Mega Man Legend? Oh, it's like twelve hours. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Yeah, and and don't I mean you know, people listening? <laughs> I, I played this when I was young and liked it. I'm just you know I'm just cynical now. Yeah. Um, but like it's... I just like yeah. Go ahead. So. No, no, I, I trust you. Like, I'm, I'm looking forward to revisiting it. Yeah. So. Cool. So that is three games in advance, which is what we usually do. Like I said, if you have thoughts about any of those, that is duckfeed.tv slash contact. Yeah. Um, if you are doing any holiday shopping, um, it would mean a lot to us if you went to duckfeed.tv forward slash tip jar mm-hmm. and use the Amazon referral link there. Um, it doesn't cost you anything extra. Um, it's just your regular old Amazon, but we get a significant cut of it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something along the lines of 70 to 80 percent. Oh, um, so if you <laughs> I mean, I'm what? all for lying to our fans. So it's, it's closer to like four to six percent. Yeah, but that it's, is, it's like, yeah, it's four to six percent. But, but it, like, that's it is, good. Uh, yeah, it's still helpful because people are buying, you know, Xbox Ones and mm-hmm. and, uh, and and PSC fours. Yeah, um, all over this season. So uh, it, it helps out. Yeah. Um, all that's very helpful. The other thing you can do to help us out is uh, head on over to Patreon.com forward slash DuckFeedTV and yeah. uh, kick us a couple bucks a month. That's really helpful. Um, you get many benefits for that, including the show's day early and then uh, intermittent backer blogs and the mm-hmm. like. Uh, but the, the probably the most immediate benefit is uh, joining our Slack channel yeah, um, where you can hang out and talk with us and other like-minded fans. And that's a really good mm-hmm. social media experience. Yeah. I am just blown away by our community, honestly. Like, mm-hmm. they outnumber us and they are by far one of the best things about this thing we do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they are. Uh, they are more than us and they don't want to beat us up. <laughs> yep. Um they're also, um, this is the first episode of Watch Out Fireballs we've done since Duckstream. Mm-hmm. Make a real quick uh, mention of that. Uh, yeah. Thanks to everybody who donated to that. Um, that went fantastically. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, just talking about a great community, like, you know, you go on, go online, you put yourself out there on internet, and you, uh, when, when you're talking about um, an issue that's kind of explicitly progressive, you expect to have some kind of drive-by shitheads pop out there. Not because of people in our community, but because of just kind of, uh, you know, people from the internet at large. And we had none of that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, nobody, everyone was super kind and supportive. All the people who um, who are part of our the community and fans and everything came by and hung out and were really, really great and really mm-hmm. generous. Um, you know, great financially, like we did much better with our goal, but also just really fun to talk to and hang out with. Oh, yeah. Like really adding... supporting of this like harrowing ordeal. <laughs> yeah. Adding stuff to the chat. Like we were playing for, uh, it was 48 hours. You were up for the full 24. Um, that is insane to me. Yeah, I don't. I don't fuck around. I was up for for thirty hours. That's ah, Jesus. Yeah, it was it was intense. It's it's interesting. I was I was prepping for it online, and they said like, oh, the hardest time is going to be when you wake up normally. Mm-hmm. You hit that time again, and that's one hundred percent true. <laughs> like, there's a moment um, on the on the thing. I don't know how much of it has been uh, captured or what have you, but mm-hmm. around eleven a.m. of the the second day, um, <laughs> where I'm playing Dark Souls two, and I got real grumpy. <laughs> like, like, I was just like. Real cranky and 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 uh, and you know pretty frustrated. <laughs> yeah, 
uh, that was totally the case for me. So I was alone for the first uh, for the first twelve. Um, mm. and, uh, I usually wake up around like seven 30 and by God, if by seven 30, I was not uh, like on the edge of having a panic attack and like going yeah. into the bathroom and like, I'm going to throw up. No, wait, no, I'm not. This is just me being crazy. Um, yeah. so big ups and huge thanks to Allison Baker, uh, Baker for stepping in and, uh, yeah. and helping out. And, uh, also big thanks to all the people who helped you out on the Portland side. Yeah. Of course, uh, Nick Glauber and Brayden Cameron and my roommate, Will Hughes, mm -hmm. um, all of which who hung out and, uh, took shifts playing and just, uh, hung out and helped keep me awake. Do you um, want me to uh, uh, reveal what the final take was? Yeah, yeah. For uh, for the Transactive Gender Center, four thousand thirty seven dollars and seventeen cents. Yeah, absolutely. Our our previous goal, um, or or the amount we made last year was roughly twenty six hundred. Mm -hmm. So significantly better than that. Yep. And uh, yeah, I'm just I'm thrilled to uh, to be able to help them out. So yeah. So yeah, it is the season. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So thank you everybody for um. I don't know. Like this has been a crazy month. Yeah, what a, what a great fall. Like, what a weird, specifically for me, like, I've had a very ups and downs uh, related fall. And uh, it is, uh, it's mostly been ups, though. So it's, mm -hmm. uh, and this was a big part of that. Yeah. So really happy to do it. Next year when we do. Uh, Jesus we Christ, do you, fucking say, you fucking say that. I'm going to, <laughs> like, I, I will, I will flip this table. Four day weekend. <laughs> four day weekend. We used to do two days straight. And then. <laughs> um, you know, it just doubles every year. Like until eventually, we're just doing an eight-hour shift, and it, it's it's part of a sleep study. Uh, like, <laughs> Sorry, I I, yeah. I it sounded like I was joking. I legit got angry. What do you think I say on tape is a contract, and then especially if I mail this to myself, then it becomes no. Becomes then the copyright law gets involved. <laughs> the um, I I don't, I don't think we can scale it back. Um, I will say that it was not <laughs> insignificant to stay up that late. Like it was, yeah. it was hard. But it, it should be hard because I'm, you know, <laughs> it's it's uh, that's why people tune in to watch you suffer. Yeah. And then uh, <laughs> like, I would not be opposed to going to alternating twelve hour shifts next time. I, I still feel like that's a cop out, man. man I, I, I don't, don't know. know. We, like, we can talk about it. That feels like such a cop out to me. I don't know, man. It just it feels like work. It feels like I'm waking up and going to work as opposed to a weird, fun all night party. That's kind of miserable. <laughs> but 12 hours of sitting in a fucking place. Gary, yeah. they just killed my, my back still hasn't recovered from that. It's true. I, I did. It, it's the entire, I spent the entire weekend without pooping. And then when that <laughs> came again, let me tell you, it came like a storm. Oof. Um, the, uh, it came in like a wrecking ball. Like <laughs> it, it was, it was pretty intense. Yeah. Um, uh, we can, we can talk over the course yes, of the next yes, 300, we... you know, 55 days. Yep. Um, yeah, we can, <laughs> yeah. but, um, that is my recommendation, at least now when those wounds are still pretty fresh, you'll, you'll get over it. A year is a long time. Now. I know. Okay. Like, you, you'll feel better in like a month. I know. You'll, you'll be ready for, for, for Duckstream spring edition. <laughs> By the time that pops around, where we used to do 36 hours. Jesus, Gary. To, to, to benefit. To benefit uh, we need to end this episode. We, we do have to. I, we still have to record. I'm tired. And I'm hungry. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you know all the things to do. Thank you guys very mm -hmm. much for everything. And uh, until next time, what should they watch out for, Cole? Uh, they should watch out for the Grey Lady. Umbasa. Mm Umbasa.
immolated. Okay. Yeah, I don't. I don't have an ending for it. No, so it's fine. That is, that's the uh, that'll work. The music gives us an ending to everything. Yep. <laughs> yeah.